Hi, my name's Connor and welcome to the Great Design Lead podcast. I am the founder of the Unicorn Factory, which is a freelance marketplace that I run in New Zealand and in Canada. And I also help people build their own online marketplaces with no-code tools like Webflow, Airtable, and Zapier. So right now, um, I am mostly working on the Unicorn Factory. I have probably spent the last three months working mostly on my consulting businesses, helping a lot of people get their own little marketplaces up and running. But now I want to finish the year strong with the Unicorn Factory. So I've shifted majority of my focus to that. And yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It was really nice to to, to hang out with you here and everything. Uh, it's kind of, I got to admit, it is kind of weird to have you on because um, uh, I remember the first interaction that I had was like looking at your YouTube videos and now I'm like talking to you face to face and you and I have talked before, but it is kind of weird. So I'll just get that out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, something that I, I love doing with people is like talking about their stories, talking about all of the things that they're, they're doing and stuff. Um, but uh, w- one thing I wanted to get out of the way is I-, I was really excited to talk to you today specifically because today was the first day of uh, my new job as a UX designer. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, like even as we, we just started, my hands were kind of shaking a little bit of just like, oh, my gosh, the first day is done. Now I'm starting the podcast with Connor. Uh, <laughs> 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 but um, but yeah, so so anyway, um one thing that I wanted to talk to you uh, quick about was um, sometimes it's kind of fun to like go to the very beginning of a story and then kind of like mm-hmm. work my way through stuff. Um, and and when I, I have people on, um, I've gotten pretty good at uh, uh, doing kind of deep dives of like what's out there in terms of what's online and stuff like that. And uh I learned a little bit about you and, and like your background and stuff. And uh, one photo that I thought would be fun to start is I, I found this um, this photo of this little kid with kind of like a, a blonde bowl haircut and a blue jacket waving on his, I think your first day of school. So sometimes yeah. it's kind of fun to talk about uh, kind of like, your earlier memories or how you remember yourself as a kid but do you kind of remember what you were like when you were that age in that photo and also sorry that's kind of weird to bring up no no that's cool (laughs) yeah no I I haven't really talked to anyone about it but yeah sure I mean um I think one thing that a lot of people don't know that always surprises them very much is that um so I was born in New Zealand my parents are New Zealanders but I actually grew up in Germany so that photo was on my first day of kindergarten in Germany. And um, we had pretty much just moved there. Um, my parents couldn't speak a word of German. I couldn't really speak a word of German. And we kind of just, yeah, I just kind of got thrown into that world. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was my first day of kindergarten. Um, and yeah, I mean, that you know, it's it's like a pretty standard life, I suppose. Like my parents come from like a tennis background. So I grew up in a tennis family. Um, What does that mean? So 
tennis, the sport. Oh, tennis. Oh, I, th- I thought yeah. you said something else. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, my dad is a tennis coach. My mum used to play a lot of tennis, and we actually moved to Germany because of it. So I grew up in a very sporty household, and, yeah, I lived in Germany until I turned 18, and I finished mm-hmm. my schooling over there, and then I moved back to New Zealand to study at um, university. Do you remember the the move? You look like you were really, really young. The move to um, Germany. Um, like bits and pieces of it. So there was like another photo of us in the newspaper that kind of floated around quite a bit. Um, my my dad was like a quite well known tennis coach, so it kind of got like he was it was like us moving was in the news, and I think like the one thing that I remember most about it is in the photo we have this like trampoline. And I remember I got that trampoline, I think, for my second birthday. And I loved the thing. And I felt so bad that we had to leave our trampoline behind when we moved to Germany. But, um, you know, like, I was pretty young, like, when we moved. And then, you know, we we pretty much, um, I grew up in, like, a smallish kind of town in Germany. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that like they're like little bits and pieces of like what I remember, but like yeah, I could go on about it forever. They're probably like a lot of examples. Yeah. Did you, so, what was kind of like? I don't know. I feel like a lot of people find hobbies and stuff like that in like elementary school, middle school, and stuff like that. Do you kind of remember yourself when you were that age, um, growing up there? Ooh. Nah, a bit hard to say. Like one thing that I do know is that um, just because I came from a very sporty family, I spent like a lot of time on the tennis court. And then also once I started going to school and started making friends, I also got into playing soccer. And so I was either playing soccer or playing tennis. So I remember like most of my life was spent on like at either the tennis courts or some other kind of sport field. And I really loved it. Like um, all the kids in our neighborhood were like really into football. So yeah, I just, that's probably like the key thing that I remember growing up is that I came from a very, very, very sporty family. Didn't really care much about school. (laughs) Like I was (laughs) like, I was definitely more focused on that side of things. And yeah. So I'm I'm guessing so you said you went to New Zealand for uh um you went back to New Zealand for university, right? Yep. So um I'm curious when kind of like what time in in high school did you decide what you wanted to study and and specifically to go there because for for me at least uh I'm from Pennsylvania in mm-hmm. and I went to school in Philly which is about like 40 minutes away from where I grew up. So uh, mm-hmm. I would need a really strong compass <laughs> to go somewhere else. So I was just curious, mm-hmm. like, uh, when in high school did you decide that this is what you want to do? Well, to be honest, I mean, I think I never really knew what exactly I wanted to do at university. All I knew was like, you finish schooling and then you go to university and then you get a job. And, um, so like, I, I hadn't made my mind up on what I wanted to study until the actual week that I was going to university. Like I went to a careers advisor and asked them what they recommend and stuff like that. But 
Um, there was nothing that I found that interesting, but I definitely thought that going to university is the thing that you have to do if you want to get a job. Like, you know, because ultimately you go from like, you go through different stages where you have certain life objectives. So for example, you know, when you're in high school, like it's finishing high school and um, then it's going to university. And so like, I never really planned ahead as far as probably a lot of other people do who know exactly what they want to study. So I would just kind of like finish high school. Okay. Now I'm off to New Zealand and I didn't even go to New Zealand for university. I went to New Zealand just because I wanted to get out of the country, experience something new. And I kind of decided while I was there that I wanted to just study at the university of the city that I was in in New Zealand. And um, I kind of decided that week that like, I, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. I think at the time I was going through a phase of watching criminal minds. So I actually <laughs> signed up to, I, I actually went to the career advisor and I said to the career advisor, I want to like study criminology. And she's like, yeah, okay. But in order to get into criminology, you're going to have to do a, a psych paper and you're going to um, either you do a psych paper, like a 100 level psych paper, or you do um, anthropology. I had no idea what anthropology was, um, but at the time, psych seemed like a lot of hard work. Like psychology was like on the same level as like the law degree and all those kind of things. And oh. that, like, this sounds like a horrible attitude, but like, I was just not prepared to put in a lot of work. So I decided <laughs> to do, uh, so I decided to do anthropology. And I think I went to one anthropology class and I actually left the classroom before the actual class had ended. And I withdrew from that degree and I signed up to do economics and finance. And that's not easy either. <laughs> well, so my, my, my thinking, my thinking behind doing economics and finance was so to be completely honest, even though I grew up in an English speaking household, I never did schooling in English. So oh. jumping straight into like university level English was quite difficult or at least a little bit intimidating for me. So I actually figured that if I went and did economics and finance, there's a huge component, a mass component, which is universal, which means you don't have to be good at a particular language. Um, and oh. I definitely like was overthinking it at the time. It's like, it's not like rocket science, like, you know, like they kind of like, in economics it's not like the most difficult thing uh, the one thing that i was just not ready for i felt at the time was like writing long uh, essays because i just hadn't been in that environment and so i thought you know what, just do economics and finance it's maths plus at the end of the day you can apply for a job at a bank and then you know follow the money yeah. that kind of thing and so yeah I mean, I was never good at math. So, I mean, like, even that wasn't a good decision, but it, it seemed like the best decision at the time. But yeah, I kind of just stumbled into it. It was, um, I don't know, I, I finished my degree. Like, I forced myself through it because I was kind of like two and a half years in. And I'm like, why am I here? But then I'm like, look, I've already started it. You know, I didn't understand the concept of sunk cost, you know, that is like, you know, it's already done. But I was like, look, I've already spent so much money on like all of these papers. So I may as well just get a degree because that will at least get me a job. And yeah, so that's kind of how my tertiary education worked out. <laughs> how do you mentally deal with 
being in college and being like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Because uh, ha- I that happened to me my senior year of college, and I almost had an emotional breakdown. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, I had no problems with it because I was really? just there to party and hang out and meet people, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, like, uh, like, you know, I was just kind of like, I think, like, you get nervous or, like, you stress out about it if you have, like, a grand plan that you're working towards. But mm. to be honest with you, I had just left home um and i just kind of wanted to have a good time and like university just seemed like the best way to do it obviously i have like a really bad attitude towards university like and i don't mean <laughs> to make it sound like i don't i'm not trying to make it sound like that you know this is like how i um kind of go about things now and stuff like that but at the time it was just not important to me it wasn't like the top priority of my life like what I wanted to do was like meet people, have a good time and, you know, doing it while I was at university just seemed like the best way to do it. And, you know, like, I think if I like look back in hindsight, I mean, I could have done that for like a year or two and then pulled out. But then again, I was kind of like, I just want to get through it. Like I've started it. I'm finishing it now, you know? And so that's kind of how it all played out. Um, I think like if I went back to university now, I'd have a completely different attitude about it because, you know, I've got a student loan and I've I've already paid it off, but like I've, I know I now understand it now that I've kind of spent some time like running a business and all that type of stuff, you know, that you kind of get what you put into it. And I was literally putting in the bare minimum in there so that I could literally get a degree. And um, I think it was not the right attitude at the time. But again, my top priority was mostly to meet people, have a good time. And that just seemed like the best way to do it. Yeah. And also completing the degree was, even if it's not exactly what you wanted to, it was a backup plan. Like, uh, kind of like kind of a, a fallback thing of, okay, so I might find something else that I really like to do if this isn't what I want to do. But at the at the very least, I have this thing that I can gravitate back towards. Is that kind of like what you were thinking? Well, to be completely honest, I mean, like the way that they sold it to me was you go to university, you get your degree, and then you get a job. You know, it kind yeah. of seemed like the golden ticket into the corporate world, you know? Like I didn't know anything at the time. I think like if I would have talked to anyone about it, I would have probably figured out pretty quickly that, that's not how it works in the real life. But obviously, like, why do people go to university? It's because they expect to start a career once they're done with it. You know, it's kind of like, it, it seems that like, you know, having a degree basically qualifies you in one way or the other, you know, it kind of shows your employer that you can do stuff. And that that is only, that's the, like, so I, I definitely expected that if I go and finish my degree, I'm going to walk into a job. And it's because that's kind of the way that it was positioned. And I kind of never took the time to really think about how it really works. So yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I definitely was there for a reason. Like I definitely thought, you know, I am going to get a job out of this if I complete my degree, which was also partially why I stuck to it, you know, but yeah. I mean, you live and you learn. <laughs> <laughs> so 
when when I remember when I was graduating, um, I was not excited about graduation mm-hmm. at all. Um, and and it was like month, like six months leading up to it, I was I was not excited. And I remember talking to people uh, and saying, "Hey, I high school graduation was so much better." And and they say, "Why?" And I say, "Well, you actually had a plan." Like there was some place that you were going, there was something that was going to happen that you knew was like you were already accepted into the school that you're going into. And back in in high school when you're graduating, um, like I remember uh, I had a friend who uh, um, got accepted to UPenn, um, Mm -hmm. which is a really good school. And we all like in our group, we all kind of looked at him like he was like set for life or whatever like like the rest of his life was ensured that he was going to be fine and and now that I'm graduating and every I'm graduated and everything uh it's it definitely seems a little different so do you kind of remember uh what the last like three months of college were for you and kind of what you were thinking were were you excited to graduate were you kind of feeling like me like oh I don't know what to what's gonna happen after this I'm a little nervous yeah, um, I, I kind of do. I mean, like when I was done, so in the lead up to it, I was just like focused on passing. Like I actually, in my last year, I did actually try really hard. Like I um, I cleaned my act up a bit. I um, decided that, you know what, like I'm getting this done. I'm not spending another year here. But so I went and got through it and I actually, uh, it actually went really well, which was, which was interesting to me to see, like, you know, if you put time and effort in that you actually, you know, do well. But once I was done, you know, like I started applying for jobs and I think the biggest, the the biggest problem that I had was I kind of was like, well, I've got a degree in economics and finance. So apply for jobs in finance roles or banks or all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that I just, that was the biggest problem for me at the time was like there was nothing that I was that interested in like it was kind of like mostly driven by the fact like well you're done with uni now so you got to make money now because you know that's how that's the path and there was nothing out there that had really really sparked my interest in terms of this is what I want to dedicate myself to and um, I think when I started applying for those jobs I mean people could tell like I would get into interviews and I would just not be enthusiastic about it whatsoever. (laughs) And so I kind of, I kind of like did that for a few months and it was getting pretty frustrating because like I'd rock up, I would say all the things that I thought they wanted to hear in the interviews and it would just wouldn't work out. And I, um, I was kind of like, this is, I, I felt like, at the time I felt pretty hard done by because I was like, well, like, what do you want? Like I did my university degree. Um, you know, I had a reasonably good final year, you know, like what else do you want from me? <laughs> like I'm showing up to these interviews and saying what I'm supposed to say, you know, like what else do you want from me? But like, I think a few years later after I started like hiring people to help me with my business, I would have probably, if I would have interviewed for myself, like, like that person that I was back then, I would have probably not given myself a job <laughs> because <laughs> like, it's like, you know, like, 
yeah i just like i feel i feel like when you are like genuinely not interested in something like you can fake it as much as you want but it's quite easy to tell and yeah. i think that was ultimately what started catching up to me and i i to be completely honest with you i kind of thought it was either think but me at the time like mm. i was like this is this is not me this is like i'm getting scammed by the system and <laughs> honestly like and i and i um and so I started, I went back to the career advisor and I was like, what should I do? And she basically said to me, well, you know, your CV isn't padded. Like you don't really have like, other than like what you did at university, you don't really have heaps to show for it, you know? And I'm like, okay, that is a good point. Like I wasn't part of any, like, I wasn't part of the like university chess club or stuff like that. You know, like my life was pretty much like university hanging out with friends so I decided okay you have to do something about this okay because um obviously just applying with the same thing empowering people that you're part of sports clubs is clearly not cutting it so you need to like show them something that basically gives you some professional credibility which kind of segues into why I am doing what I do now (laughs) um and so I started I started researching things like what, what kind of traits do like employers like in um, their like employees and stuff like that. And I think I read somewhere that like entrepreneurial people, go-getters, that kind of stuff. And so I was like, you know what? That sounds, that sounds fine. Okay. So I started doing some research and I found out that my university actually put on this like program for recent graduates um, where you would kind of do like a little business building exercise. And I was like, that, that's perfect. This is literally going to be like three months. I'm going to do a PowerPoint presentation. I'm going to put that on my CV. And then I'm going to go and apply for a whole bunch of jobs. And I can basically tell everyone about my entrepreneurial learnings that I made in whatever time it was. And so, yeah, I signed up to that. And that was probably like a huge kind of turning point for me because that was was when I really started to discover something that I was interested in. Like Mm. not so much the actual what we were doing it was mostly the idea of going and setting up your own business and um you know kind of doing something from scratch and kind of being responsible for solving all of the issues in your business or like at the time let's be honest it wasn't a business it was a powerpoint presentation that we were working towards but just the <laughs> I, just the idea of you being the captain of the ship was pretty fascinating to me because never ever had I had that much responsibility or ownership over anything. And so that was kind of like the first time post university that I really found interest in stuff. And so, yeah, I just kind of got into the entrepreneurial world that way. And, and so curious, like, was unicorn factory like your idea in the class or kind of like what was what was the idea okay so the unicorn factory didn't come until like quite a bit later but so the idea so i joined late so i got super lucky that i got in there but someone had just pulled out so a spot opened up so they said yeah you can do it and so i actually had an idea for a business at the time and the idea was to build an app that would make it easy for people to find other people to play tennis with. So I worked in a tennis center there. Yeah, so I worked in a tennis center at the time. And even in hindsight, just thinking about it, it's still a 
very good business idea. So, but so the problem that they had was um, their tennis courts were empty like half the time. So, like, um, like any time between like nine a.m. and three thirty p.m., it would just be empty. And they would have to pay for someone to work there and they would have to pay for just the overall maintenance. And I, so while I was at university, I had a job working in that tennis center. And the, the thing that I found most absurd about it all was that people would walk in and ask me if I knew anyone that they could play with. And I said, no, I don't. And then they would leave. And like half an hour later, someone else would come in and be like, hey, do you know anyone I could play with? And I was like, well, someone was just in here, but they've left. And I thought that was just such a random inefficiency that if you even just put out a piece of paper with your name and your phone number, you could probably, the tennis center could probably make an extra $40 for every person that gets matched. So when I was like, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I was like, you know what, I'm going to make this now. I'm going to make this like website or app where I match up people with each other who have a a similar skill level. And I am going to basically help them book a tennis court. And my whole business model was going to be, I'm going to charge 20% for every court booking that they had. And the reason why I chose 20% was because they were actually paying another company 20% as like a coupon code to, um, so I was like, well, they're already paying it. So I may as well. So I rock up to (laughs) to this entrepreneurial program thing. And I just get put in a team with these guys and they're already working on an idea. I didn't even really know what the idea was. I was just like ready to get started. And <laughs> the, good, the good thing about it was, it's like my biggest roadblock at the time was like, I couldn't code. Like, hey, mm. if I could have gone back in time to study something at university, it would have been that. And so I like, one of the guys was a developer. So I was like, sweet, like we are on the path to millions right now, you know? So, um, I basically like introduce myself to them. We chat and they're like, I'm like, Hey, I've got this idea that I want to work on. And so I basically give them the same spiel that I just gave you. And they just looked at me and went, "Mm, nah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just kind of like, okay. How long did it take between hearing you finish the story and then them responding? Like three seconds. (laughs) And I felt I did a good job selling the dream as well. But you know what? It's all good. Like not everyone is like interested in that area. Like obviously, like if you are not interested in tennis, like why would you care? Like three um, months. Yeah. It's like, and so I was just like, you know what, whatever. Like we're not like, honestly, again, like my attitude again was like, look, we're not here to actually build a business. We're here to make a PowerPoint presentation. So, you know what? I'll just participate in whatever it is that they're doing. So I don't know what the idea was at the time. Like I showed up and like the university put on these like classes and strategy things where you'd kind of like learn different concepts about building a business. And I was just kind of like there, but then surprisingly their business idea fell apart. Whatever it was that they were working on in my team, it kind of just fell apart. And I was just kind of like, whatever, that sounds great. So I came back and I was like, look, my idea still stands. And they were like, nah. And so we had to come up with a new idea. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were dead against that idea. I don't know why. I still think it's a very good idea. Um, and so 
it was our job to come up with this like with a business idea and like honestly we just could not make our mind up about what we wanted to do like um like we tried like so many different things like, or, like, and when I say tried, I mean, we sat at a table and talked about it. Um, and then after about three weeks, the, the coaches of that program started to get a bit frustrated with us because we literally did not have an idea and we were not working towards anything. And so they said to us, look, we're about to go on a two week break. It's your job. If you don't have something, when you come back, you're done. Okay. Because oh. like, we, we're not like, you're going to embarrass us essentially. And so okay. I was kind of, I was like, <laughs> but I don't think they said the word embarrassed, but they're like, look, you know, this is a serious thing. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, so at the time, so we were like, okay, let's, let's regroup after the two weeks and we'll just come up with something. We'll just tell them that we're going to be working on something. So we went away, came back. And that day that we came back, no one had any ideas. So we were like, okay, (laughs) we have to literally tell these people at 4 PM what we're working on. And if we don't like, you know, we can say goodbye to this PowerPoint presentation. And I was like, this does not sound good. So we went to this like restaurant and at the time we were like, we didn't have a lot of cash because we were like working on this pretend business that didn't even really exist yet not even in our minds and so this restaurant was doing two-for-one pizzas so we were like we sat there and we're like okay look we've got to come up with something like let's let's make it something super easy that's just like that doesn't make them think that we're going to give up on it immediately and so one of us just had the idea it's like you know these two-for-one pizza deals surely they're like other things around like this and we should just go and make a list of all of them and then sell it as advertising to students. I was like, yeah, all right, let's go and give that a try. And so we, we basically went back to like our group meetings and we pitched the idea and they were like, okay, yep, that's good enough. You can stay. And so that kind of was the, the birth of the first idea that we uh, worked on. And so the idea, the, the business was called Hatcher. Like we, like, honestly... I'm just having flashbacks and I'm just like cringing for that <laughs> right now. We, when we came up with the name, we literally had like this whiteboard and it all started off with like, what are we going to call this company? And we were like, well, hatching a plan. And we're like, okay, you know, like this. And I was like, okay. So we wrote the word, some variation of the word hatch or hatching or hatcher on the whiteboard. And it literally had like, it was a whiteboard full of like hatcher hatching, hatcher without the E, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And we literally spent like three hours going through the process of like crossing them out, arguing why one is better than the other. And we ended up sticking with that. And like, honestly, I mean, like what, like in the hindsight, whatever, you know, but <laughs> we then, we then like drew this logo onto our whiteboard, which was this egg, this dinosaur egg hatching and stuff like that. And we were kind of like, whatever let's get to it but then something happened that i think fundamentally changed the direction of that's that really changed the way that i thought about this so at the time i was just kind of like you know what for me this is all about the powerpoint presentation and then i'm going to put that on my cv and i'm going to get a job 
But we then got pretty lucky that we moved into this new fancy as co-working space in um in my hometown in Wellington. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what a co-working space was at the time. I, I didn't even, I was just like, whatever. Like the, the people that were running the uh, entrepreneurial program were just like, just rock up, you know, just be there, you know? <laughs> um, so we're like, okay. So we rock up and we walk into this hipster as co-working space. Like, let me tell you, I had never been exposed to that much hipsterism in one go. And it was so cool. Like, um, like I walked in there and there were like people, there were like people working on like standing desks. The office looked amazing. And there was like cool furniture and like real cool art and stuff like that. And like, I don't know what it was, but I, the moment I went up those stairs and I looked around, I was like, this is where people go to do business. Like this is where <laughs> ideas are born. Okay. I, I don't know what it was. I got so hyped up just by walking up in there that moment. And just as we got up the stairs and we were looking around, this dude comes up to us and he's like this beard and again, looks as hipster as it gets. And he comes up and he goes, oh, you guys come here. And he's like, what are you working on? And I was just like, oh, like we've got this like app idea that we're working on. And he's like, oh, my name's Nick. I run this place. And I was just like, oh my God, this dude. <laughs> This dude runs this place. This is hipster himself. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. So I said to him like, look, our idea is pretty simple. It's like Tinder for food deals. Like you can basically find food deals or drink deals, gigs, events happening near you. And if you like it, you can swipe it right. And if you don't like it, you can swipe it to the left. And then once you're done swiping left and right, you can see what your friends swipe tried on and then you can organize a night to go out. And he just looked at me and I was like, he's going to like, he's going to tell us to get out of here. And he just looked at me and I think he just stood there for like a minute straight, just staring at me. And he said, you know what? I think that idea really has good, uh, really has legs. And it was in that moment where I was like, Oh my God, this is it. This is the idea. This is, this is going to make us rich. <laughs> and so it was in that moment. So, and like all of us were pumped. It wasn't just me. All of us were pumped. Okay. Um, we were like, man, this is amazing. Like this guy runs this business and he thinks that this is a good idea. So it must be a good idea. And so it was in that moment we were like, maybe, maybe this is not just a PowerPoint presentation. Maybe <laughs> this is an actual business so we got in there and like honestly i can tell you right now like being in that environment being in that space and being around those people just was like a a game changer like like never had i been that enthusiastic about something other than sport and like i would show up there like every day in the morning start working on the idea start doing like networking, start telling people about what we were working on. And there were so many people in that place that were so great who would be like, Hey, I know someone who runs a bar, I'll introduce you, blah, 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 blah. And like, we just started building up so much momentum. Um, Not in terms of an actual like business business, but in terms of like, you know how you just feel sometimes like things are just heading in the right direction. It was Mm -hmm. like that kind of momentum. And the we went from being like the people who were like on the verge of being kicked out to us literally winning the competition for um the overall 
like startup competition thing. I didn't even know it was a competition for the entire time. Were the professors a little, (laughs) were the professors a little shocked? Uh, No, because it wasn't actually (laughs) professors that ran it. It was like the local startup community that ran it. And so they were like, we want you guys to like continue and we're going to give you a space in our like startup incubator thingy. Oh, wow. And so we went from being like, these guys are absolute, they're so useless to like, wow, we're like, we're ready. We want, we want you in our like little incubator so we can turn you into whatever. You, like. They literally said, we will turn you into a unicorn. That we'll come back to that point mm. later because that inspired a few the uh, the unicorn the name of the unicorn factory. But it was kind of like it was kind of like real, like it was real at that point. It was like, man, like what is going on here? Like I so for me personally at least, I've gone from like struggling to get jobs and interviews to literally being like, these people think I'm like a startup CEO. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Um, and it, it made me feel so good about myself, you know, because like when you constantly get like rejected and stuff like that from like job interviews, because I don't know, you didn't, you were not part of the literature club or whatever, like, you know, you can't, you start to like get down on yourself about it. Yeah. But now it was like the absolute polar opposite of it. It's like people like, yeah, you guys are legit. You're going to make it, whatever that means and stuff like that. And like, you got to know, like, we knew nothing. Like that became very clear as time went on. But we, um, we were kind of like, yeah. So I think once that program was done, we kept going. And I actually found another mate who was a developer who started working on it. And we built the app. We actually built two apps. We built an iOS app. We built an Android app. Um, at one point we had like, Oh, we had about probably like 2,000 businesses on our app. Oh, wow. um, we, we were on TV. We were on the breakfast show, which is like a big deal in New Zealand. It's like, what? like yeah, we were like, I, I didn't even know, but like they were talking about our app on TV. I was like, yo, what the hell? Um, That's so and, crazy. And like, w- like we were starting to get invited to all of these events and stuff like that. Like, so I was like, the pretend CEO, like, and I had another mate who was like the pretend co-CEO and we were kind of, and then we had two developers who basically said to us like, look, whatever happens, all we want to do is code. We don't want to talk to people. We don't want to do anything. We, we just code and you do the rest. So um, the dude that I was working with at the time, we would just go to like networking events and like networking events uh, when you're like in the startup world are just amazing. Cause it's like just free food and free drinks nonstop and like people who just think that you're like, they think that you're like the future, you know, they're like, man, you are going to like, we want to be mates with you and shit like that. Um, and so we, like, we got invited to go to the rugby and the VIP boxes and stuff like that, which is like, I don't know. It was like, it was, it was amazing. It was like, it was such a treat so to be weird. part of that. Yeah, it, it was, it was weird. Like, especially when you like look at it in hindsight. Um, How old were like, you at this time? 22 24ish 24 ish and um like everything was going felt like it was going so well but the truth of the matter is all of those things that we were getting was just like a huge distraction from the fact Mm. that like our business was going nowhere like we had but we like the one thing that just took us a very long time to realize and I'll probably say me 
more than the rest of them, but like all of us, was that we knew nothing. Like we knew nothing about building a business, you know, and we knew nothing about marketing. We knew nothing about sales. We knew a little bit about building apps and websites and stuff like that. But because we were just showered in like people giving us this false sense of security that you're like super legit and all that kind of stuff. We actually fooled ourselves into thinking that we were really good at this, even though we were like barely making money. And it was like getting more and more stressful on us to like, you know, fund our business because like we, um, we were not making money. Like the, one of the developers actually quit his job to do it as well. And with the whole idea of like, we build it, we put it out there and we get rich. Like that was the plan. But I mean, like you learn pretty brutally if you're not listening to people that that's not exactly how it works. And there were like, don't get me wrong. There were definitely people who were like offering advice and support and stuff like that. But you kind of need to be in a position where you want to accept help in Mm. order for you to actually make use of it. And we were just so like, we were just so sure of ourselves um, just because of everything that was happening. And so, yeah, eventually it headed towards where it was going to head. And where it was going to head was essentially like we either start making money or everyone will have to go and find jobs again. Yeah, I feel like I've I've just like gone nonstop. (laughs) No, no. What was that? When did you guys actually realize that? Was that, was there kind of like one night where you guys were all together and you kind of just realized like, well, we've been going so fast and not really realizing what's going on well it's really a slow burn because like the 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 real moment when you have to pull a line is when you have to pay rent and you can't pay rent other than that you can continuously lie to yourself like you can like it's very easy to tell yourself that look soon things will be all good you know Because like you hear like a lot of startups that start from zero and lose heaps of money and stuff like that. And then eventually they turn it all around. You know, that hockey hockey stick curve that people talk about, which is completely misunderstood. But it's kind of like, you know, this is the sacrifice that we have to make now in order to like reap the rewards in the future. So we were kind of just like, you know, whatever, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. And the truth of the matter is like, we could have like, like to, to be honest there was kind of like we were kind uh, so I, I think there was one factor you know like um another factor was there becomes a point where you're so far into something that it just kind of feels not good to abandon ship because mm-hmm. you're like i've invested so much time and effort into it and i think i speak mostly for the guys that like quit jobs or were saying mm-hmm. no to job offers um and so that makes it harder but it's not like the the thing is it's not like what it's not like a realization from one day to the other i think like we could always be real with ourselves knowing that well we're not really making a lot of money off this you know Mm -hmm. and like we would have like little moments of success like we're like we'd make a little bit of money and that would just immediately make us think oh we're sweet see like this is just gonna the floodgates are gonna open soon and so this dragged out for like two years like 
yeah, it took a long time for us to realize that stuff is just not going to go, is not going well. And I actually, while all of this was going down, I actually got a part-time job as well. So um, that in a way made things worse because that just slows the bleeding, but it doesn't mm. lie, <laughs> you know? So, um, but the, the job that I got at the time was really valuable for me as well. So I don't know. So the job that I got was Uber launched in Wellington and I basically mm-hmm. helped them launch in Wellington. So like I helped them recruit drivers and stuff like that. And I how like does, learned- How does that happen? Like how, so how they, did you get in there? <laughs> so they actually worked in the co-working space that we were in. And really? um, yeah. And uh, one day well, at the time, like Uber is like, when they start in a city, it's super nimble. It's like two people and they just do all the hard work until they reach certain milestones. And then they start recruiting new people. And so um, I, at the time, the the person who was like the co-CEO of me, we had kind of like gotten to the point where it's like, look, I'm, I have to find a way to make money because mm-hmm. like that has to become a priority now. And so I was like, look, I don't want to get a job. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to get a job. But if there is a job that I had to get, it would be with Uber because I mean like that Uber and they're like a super awesome company. Um, so I just went up to them and I was like, Hey, um, do you guys have any jobs? <laughs> and, they were, and they were like, yes, actually, we just literally, as you came here, like something opened up with us and basically we need someone to help us recruit drivers. And so I was like, okay, like how much do you pay? And they're like, we'll pay you 35 bucks an hour. I'm like, deal, sign me up. I'm in. Not bad. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, this is good. Like, and they're like, look, we'll give you like two days a week. And um, man, I learned so much like about, like my, my role was not to come up with any ideas or to do any of that stuff. I was just there to execute. Like I was just there to do a job. I was there to do what they told me to do. And it was like, while I was doing that, I realized why uber is uber and why they are all over the world and i also realized why our business is not getting out of the starting blocks at all and so i was just there and i just absorbed it and we went when i signed up with them i think they had like three or four drivers in wellington maybe Mm -hmm. a few more i'm not exactly sure and by the time i left they had like well over 100 and like i pretty much knew all of them and and I went through the process of learning how to do sales and learning how to do marketing because that's exactly what I had to do in order to recruit those drivers. And like the one thing that throughout all of that is like, you can't, like when you are working in a real market and like a real, like you're talking to actual people who you actually want to recruit as your drivers, like there's no bullshitting. Like you have to have a plan and you have to execute on it. And like the good thing about Uber is they have the plan so they just basically say, this is what you do. This is who, how you talk to them. This is what you want them to do next. And I pretty much like throughout my period with them, I just completely leveled up. So like it was such a huge, such a huge learning experience working with them. And so, so why is Uber Uber? You said well, you, you could tell why Uber was Uber and why your business wasn't uh, yeah. getting off the ground. Well, with them, so the reason why I think they got as big as they got is because they didn't leave anything to chance. They tried things, they figured out what worked and what didn't work, and then they basically packaged it up as something for the next person to do when you launch in the next city. So 
there was there was like there was like a map so they, they actually i think they call it like the uber playbook or something like that but literally every little scenario that could go wrong they had plans for and so you don't need to go through that phase of failing and learning because that's already been done so they have failed at this and they have learned what to do and now the people who are there it's just their job to execute what was learned and so they were just moving so incredibly fast they knew exactly what obstacles would come their way whenever i had a question for them they would tell me exactly what to do and it would work every time and i was like we don't have any of that in our startup we're literally making stuff up on the go and it's like we're and we're not even not just are we like making stuff up on the go we're not even keeping track of what's working and what's not working so you're like it feels like you're on a hamster wheel you know Mm. it's kind of like you're constantly trying different things and it just doesn't work out with them it's like a well-oiled machine of like execution 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 and i'm I'm like honestly like so grateful that i got the chance to see that because if i hadn't seen that i don't think i would have like i don't know it would have been a tough tough like time like trying to get things up off the ground for like with whatever else i'm working on so do you think that 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 job that you had kind of forced you into reality a little bit more of seeing what a different company was running like and and comparing it to your own i mean for sure i mean for starters i worked with um so i had this manager she was maybe like a year or two older than me and um she was in charge of running like uber wellington i think she had just she had come from the law world and man she was the hardest working person i have ever met (laughs) I, i think she still works for uber now but she was like, she was like, like around my age. And she was like, I, I never said this, but like, she was like a role model to me. I mean, like she set the bar in terms of like how you conduct yourself when you are serious about something. And she was just so good at what she did. And I was kind of like, um, I was kind of like, when I was looking at that, it was kind of, I was starting to learn why things were not working out for me. And it was because I had a lot of traits and behaviors that people who operate at the level that she was operating at, I just don't have. And so being in that environment taught me how wrong I was about things. And like, the thing about it is this, like you always have people in the startup scenes and incubators and all that kind of stuff who will tell you stuff. Like they'll be like, you need to pivot or whatever. They throw like jargon at you. Um, they'll throw the like voice throw, that you put onto that. <laughs> it's like nonstop reciting books is kind of yeah. like the way I see it. But um, when you're in that environment, you're not, no one's reciting anything to you. Like it's just like you're witnessing it, you know, and you are experiencing it. And so that was, I'll probably say that like my few months with Uber were probably a bit of education in university. And I know that might seem harsh, but I think the, the, the secret recipe for that was that I was really invested, emotionally invested in getting my startup off the ground. And I felt like I was learning so much that I was actually open to hearing things. Like I was actually observing things. I was actually like 
picking up what they were doing and I was applying that to what I was doing. And um, it was like, without that, I wouldn't have like learned half of the stuff that I think you need in order to do okay in business. And, and so you were with them. How, how long were you with Uber? Well, you were working on the project for maybe nine months, maybe. Okay. And so why, why did you leave? And then how did things end up panning out with which hatched before you went to your next thing? So I kind of, so like Uber grew so fast and it was, it felt so good, like to be a part of it, but you get to a certain point where it grows, you start to recruit more people and then like the work becomes less and less interesting. Like, um, so I ended up being in a position where it was just like doing the same old stuff every single day. And maybe I felt like I should have been doing different things, more fun things, but I was kind of losing interest in it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like learning at the rate that I was learning. Like I did when I started, plus it was, it was getting in the way of me working on our startup, which was not in a good shape. Like we were not in a good shape at all. And so I just decided, you know what, I need to fully commit to this if we're going to pull, you know, if we're going to like pull it off. Um, so I, so we, we both kind of agreed that, you know, it was fun while it lasted and just moved on. Like I, I still like have a good relationship with them. Um, and it was like a real positive experience and stuff like that. But it was just like not for me at that point anymore. Like mm-hmm. at that point, I was just like, I felt like, I was like, now it felt really much like I was trading my time for money in a way that I didn't want to do anymore. So I just decided oh, to move on. <laughs> yeah, I just decided to move on. I was just kind of like, you know, like, it's all good. Like you like live and learn. And to be completely honest, I wanted to just focus on our startup because that was like more important to me than anything else in the world at the time. And so cool quits on it went back to working on Hatcher and Hatcher lasted probably for like another three months because like there was like a few other things I hadn't really considered um, about it, but we had this like O week thing. I don't know if you know what O week is. It's like the first week of university where all the new students arrive and we put on this like huge event and we kind of banked everything on that going well in order for us to continue on with it. And we got a lot of traction from it, but um, we didn't have a lot of business success out of it. Like we were hoping that a lot more businesses would sign up and pay us, but um, none of them ever did. And so like it started off with our developers being like, look, this is not going to work. We have to go and get jobs. And um, it was kind of just it. Like um, at the time I had started the unicorn factory as well. And so it kind of just fizzled out. Like um, there was like kind of, we had tried so many different things and it just felt like it wasn't happening. And so because we had at least like a few of them had reached the point where like it was just getting too exhausting, like financially, emotionally, the whole shebang, um, they decided to call it. And like, as soon as like the team started falling apart, like it was kind of all she wrote, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it, it was a good learning experience. Like, I, like we learned a lot throughout that period. But yeah, it was kind of we had to we had to call quits on it. Um, 
I was going to be the last person that's going to do it just because of my pride. And like, no, like, honestly, like my head was <laughs> like, I was like, like, I didn't have my head screwed on properly. Like I, I made that thing, my identity. So like the business failing basically meant that I was failing. And like, mm. that was something I just could not accept. And so, yeah, we kind of moved on from it. I kind of tried to keep going for a bit longer, but it was just not happening. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was pretty much it. It was, um, yeah, it was, it went on for a lot longer than it should have, but it was still a good experience. That's still a really tough part of your life. Yeah. I mean, it, like, if I'm completely honest, like after that happened, after we like officially decided to, to like call it quits, I kind of like kept going as if there's still like hope on the horizon. Mm. And it was like mostly me lying to myself because there were like so many things that were at stake. For example, we were being sponsored by that co-working space I told you about to be in there as that startup. So I didn't want to get kicked out of there because like all my friends were there, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I'll just do my best to keep working on it. But I can tell you right now for like two months, I was like just refusing to accept the truth. And um, I just like literally show up and I just pretend to work. But like, like I didn't even know what I was working towards. And I was kind of like in a state of shock. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put this, but it was pretty much, I'll probably say that was like, um, that was like probably like the worst time of my uh, professional career. Like I'd never experienced anything like that. Like yeah. it was like not good. Um, like I wasn't living healthy either. I gained quite a bit of weight, all that kind of stuff. I'll spare, I'll spare you the details, but I was just not in a good state and something had to happen. And um, like just being in that situation, like there was like a point where like uh, some friends of mine said to me, like, dude, (laughs) you need to honestly, you need to like stop. You need to Mm -hmm. stop. You need to breathe and you need to relax for like a period of time. Because what I think you'll find people do when they're stressed and they don't know what they're doing with themselves is they do more because that makes them feel like they're doing stuff, which makes them feel productive, which makes them feel like they're moving forward. But you can do a lot of work and like actually be moving backwards. And I feel like that was the place that I was in. So I actually went and took like, um, I took a two week holiday where I just like let go. And it was so hard. Like, I, I can't even tell you, like your mind is like constantly like, I need to be back at this. Um, And from that point, I kind of started to like turn things around again. Like I started getting healthier. I started eating better. I started working out again and I started to just relax. And that was when things started getting a little bit better. Well, not not a little bit better. Things started getting a lot better. And that is kind of when I started getting into freelancing and I started working on the unicorn factory and all those types of things. And so, yeah, it was, it was quite the journey. We're going very in depth here. <laughs> did you, did you ever had, so like that, that kind of like first couple of days when you like decided to go and actually even before that, like, how did they convince you to go on, on vacation? Like how, I mean, okay. So like, honestly, there was no convincing me. That's just like the sheer <laughs> truth of the matter. Like, I was just like, I do not care. Like whenever mm. someone would just be like, like people were telling me that like, dude, you are ver- living a very unhealthy lifestyle. And I just couldn't even see it, you know? Really? It's like, it, yeah, I couldn't see it. Like um, I actually like saw photos of me from back in the day a while ago and I just looked so unhealthy. 
and I, I couldn't see it at the time I thought I was fine I thought I was like a little bit stressed and stuff but yeah I had never experienced anything like that I actually was like it was like burnout central but I just didn't know like you don't know unless you know what to look for and so what really really did it for me where I was like okay no this is it this is like you need to literally pull this has to start with um so we lived in this real like shotty little student flat and we had a storm in Wellington <laughs> and out, like, you need to know about like real estate in New Zealand is that it's a joke like if you're <laughs> renting there if you're renting there is like a complete shit show um so so is so- it like like if it rains it'll rain into your your apartment or is it like the it's like a new york well, where it's like so small um well it's a combination of both but oh, no <laughs> okay but no it's like in theory it shouldn't rain in, in theory it shouldn't rain into your house but um we had this like weekend of just a storm like it was like we had it hadn't rained like that in in wellington for like a long long time and i had come home from somewhere i think i was away for the weekend or whatever and I walked in and our flat was literally underwater. Like, I'm not even kidding you. It was underwater. It was like, I like walked in there and I was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe what I'm seeing right now. This is the like computers the computers and uh, yeah. I mean like everything TV, like we oh, were fine. Yeah. Nothing ended up breaking, but it was a disaster. So I called up our landlord and I said, look, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but our place is underwater right now. And it was, uh, the water came in from outside through the door because like the door wasn't insulated properly. And it was just like, it was just like a fault of theirs. Like the place was so bad that like he should have torn that place down like years and so ago. But, you know, landlords in Wellington are like, you know, they're not the greatest, you know human beings they'll kind of like trying to get as much money out of students <laughs> you know they'll, they'll get away with whatever they can get away with and like that was just the line for me um yeah. just a little side story to tell you how um he dealt with it because i feel like that sums up how landlords work in wellington quite well <laughs> um so he shows up the next day with this massive like butcher's knife okay and he cuts out the carpet and he hangs it up over our like drying line outside and he's just like, just let it dry for a few days. I'm like, I cannot believe what I'm witnessing right now. And so it was in that moment where I was packed up my stuff and I was just like, I'm leaving. And so I went up. To, so I actually went up to my mum's place in Auckland. And I was just, I just, I was just like, stay to myself. Honestly, I just like, I don't know, I started like listening to audio books. Um, I started, um, I don't know. I just started to relax. Like she, she lived by the beach, which helped a lot. So I was like walking down the beach every single day. Um, I even like got into running up and down the beach, which was quite good. Like I run heaps now. So like in hindsight, it's quite funny <laughs> to see what I defined as running, but, um, <laughs> yeah. um, but I was just like, I don't know. It was kind of like just taking a breather again. Like um, no one, no one was telling me to do anything. Um, no one was saying like, hey, you should try and do this and this and this. But I think it was in that moment that I realized that like things were pretty bad and that I had to make a change if I wanted to have a realistic chance of like getting back into that world. And I think I just needed three days of it. And once I was there for three days, I kind of accepted that this is kind of what I need to be doing right now. And honestly, it was crucial like that I did that 
And so I did it for two weeks. I probably should have stayed for longer, could have stayed for longer, all that kind of stuff. But I did have to get back. I had like some commitments. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, from that point onwards, I was just like, look, I can't not take care of myself if I am going to do this. Um, and I completely neglected every aspect of my life other than our like Tinder for food apps startup. And I just decided that if I'm going to come back to this, I'm going to like get healthy and I'm going to look after myself and I'm going to work out and all those kind of things. And I'm going to prioritize that for a change. And as soon as I started doing that, things just started to like go upwards in every other aspect of life as well. And yeah, it's kind of just led to this now, I suppose. (laughs) That's when you were talking about the like, horrible apartment and and not being happy and and stuff like that i uh, so i i moved into the place that i'm in now like two months ago and the place that i was in before like we we so the best way i can describe it is there were like several plagues so we had like a plague of mice and then somehow the mice like were ran out by the rats and then like if if you would run the tub like it would start raining in the kitchen like it was just it was just horrible and then like I I was like so I remember being in my senior year and like I just doing all these things that I don't want to do like like all through college I was a maid for different families I would like and I I knew that I I had to quit when um uh I was uh it I was like doing laundry for like the 15th time that week and I was just like in this wealthy woman's like uh laundry closet and like I just closed the door and I like sat on the floor <laughs> in this clo- this person's closet that I did not know very well and I was just sitting there and I was like what am I doing? Like, what, why am I here? This isn't what I want to do. And, and I was studying graphic design and I was like, I don't even know if I want to be like an illustrator forever. And I don't know if this is what I want to do. And, and I feel like something's missing. And then, uh, then that's when I uh, was watching a YouTube video and I kept on seeing like Webflow ads and I just kept on click doing the five seconds and the skip and then the five seconds and then the skip. And then, and then I actually, uh, I don't know, I was having this thing with uh, somebody wanted me to make a website and I was like, I don't know how to do that, but okay. And I was going to hire somebody to be a WordPress developer. And then he was taking like such a long time to get back to me about an estimate that I just learned webflow by myself and I was like okay fine I'll just do it and then (laughs) and then that's when I found this thing and I I remember feeling like wow this is like the the first time I've ever really felt excited about something in a really long time like Mm -hmm. I I I I do have old pictures of myself too from sophomore year and I look extremely different and then there was like the one thing that I was excited about was like working out back when I was living in New York on a six-month internship with like no friends at all living in like this I didn't so I paid like $1,600 for not even a room like the the walls didn't go to the ceiling and (laughs) I I was literally in somebody's like closet and when I would sleep at night all of my clothes would be hanging above my head 
And it was just, it was a one bedroom apartment that had like four people. It was just, so when, when you tell me this, I'm like, oh my God, like, I remember what it was like. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, honestly, I kind of feel like you, it, it, like, honestly, I feel at times you have to make those experiences. You need to see how bad it can get in order for you to know that you want to get out of it. Because without those things, without those experiences, like you're kind of constantly floating. Like, I don't know what it is, but you're kind of like, it doesn't make you, it doesn't get to the point where it creates urgency to do things. Yeah. I think about that sometimes of like, kind of like the idea when you, you think about um, what you want, I don't know if you, your sibling or a kid or something, you like, you don't want them to go through anything uh, rough or uncomfortable or anything like that. But then you also think about like, would I be who I am if I hadn't gone through that? Like if I had like this, this cushy place or a, a super comfortable all the time or anything, would I have like sat at my kitchen table for like weeks on end going through like every Webflow video? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, like, that's exactly right. Because, like, you know, like, even even the way that the Unicorn Factory started was out of desperation then more than it was, like, a genius idea. You know, like, a lot of people always, like, when they see the Unicorn Factory, they're kind of like, oh, wow, you thought of that idea. What a great idea. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, and trust me, I did not think of the Unicorn Factory as an idea. Um, do you want me to give you a quick rundown of how that all came about? Absolutely. So this was still during the Hatcher days. And um, one of the developers literally said to me, I have to quit because I have to get a job. I have no more Mm -hmm. money. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, you can't leave. Like we need, I need you to like, I, we built so much garbage that no one even asked or needed, but like, I was constantly, you need to build this feature. Otherwise we can't launch this thing. And so he was like, no, look, honestly, I can't. Like, I literally am out of money. So I was like, okay, let me do this. Let me try and find us some paid work, okay? And then I'll just pay you to do the work and then that will tie you over for a bit. Now, I don't know how I did this. Like, <laughs> but within like two days, I had found someone who wanted to build an app and they had a budget of $10,000, like, I didn't know oh. what was expensive, what was, I didn't know how much to charge. He just basically gave me his idea for his app. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> like, I don't even know it was brilliant, but he was like, this is my idea. I want to get this done. Can you make this for me? And for some reason, everyone thought I was an app guy because I worked in an app startup, an uh, app startup. And I was just like, you know what, mate? Sure thing. We can absolutely do this for you. <laughs> and he was like, how much does it cost? And I was like, 10,000. And he was like, okay and i honestly just made the number up on the spot i had no idea but i kind of figured like that would be like a good amount for all of us to kind of tie us over for a bit longer and so i went back to like the developers that i was working with and i was like look can we build this app and they were like yeah <laughs> like it's pretty easy it's pretty easy and i was like okay i'll i'll pay you both three grand each um to do this and then we'll split up the rest between me and the other co-founder. But just like, and just do it. So these two guys, the two developers, literally built it that day. 
I don't think I've ever told anyone because I felt so stink about it. They built it that day while they were having beers. They, I think I told them wow. at like 11 o'clock in the morning and they were finished by like 7.30 PM and we had an Android app and an iOS app. And I did not know what to do because I could not go back to that guy and tell him that we were done. Because I was like, what? He's going to freaking murder me. Um, <laughs> Um, but then I was kind of like, okay, like let's just refine it as much as possible and whatever. And like a few days later, I went to him and was like, hey, we got your app done. We've been working day and night on it. So, and we gave it to him. He was like, this is amazing. This is literally the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. No, you're good. But, you're um, good. <laughs> uh, he's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, thank you so much. And he starts like telling other people about us. And like, you know how, you know, imposter syndrome? really kicks in then when you're just like oh my god (laughs) what and so you did it like he 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 wanted the thing you made the thing it worked yeah well i mean like (laughs) the thing is is like we were over it was kind of weird like we were over complicating things so much in our own business where doing this was just so simple and straightforward he wants this done he's going to give us ten thousand dollars to do it just do it and so we just did it quickest path there no screwing around and was just like just get it done and he was so happy with it he started referring his friends to us okay suddenly his mate comes up and he goes hey you built this app for so-and-so and i was like yeah he's like hey i've got this business idea do you want to hear it i'm like um okay <laughs> and he i'm listening and he pitches it to me and i'm like yeah i mean sure i mean like at this point i was like like I was not, I was not trying to sell any services of ours. Like, honestly, I was like, I do not, we need to focus on our app. This right here is a distraction. Okay. <laughs> and Leave he was alone. Like, and he was like, look, I really want to make this happen. And I was like, well, okay. Like, honestly, it will cost around this much. And he was like, um, that's a lot of money, but yeah, I think I can swing it. And I was just like, what? So we got another project. And now this kept going. And I was like, what on earth is going on here? I'm like, this, I'm getting so many referrals for this app that we built. Then um, we got to the point where we were like, okay, we're good financially for a bit, which means I was just like, um, I was just kind of like, whatever. Now in that co-working space, that we were in, there was also like a few dev shops. And oh. there was one dev shop in particular with a, that a friend of mine run who was like, he didn't like the sales side and the marketing side of the business. And he heard about what we were doing. And he came up to me and he's like, hey, um, if you ever get any work, can you refer it to me if you are too busy to do it yourselves? And I'll pay you commission on it. I'll just give you 20% of whatever I make. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> sure. Like, I mean, if something comes up, sure. So honestly, like three days, four days later, the sky rocks up and he had a massive app that he wanted to build. And it wasn't massive, the coding like, language. It, like, it was like a lot this, of work. Yeah. 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 It was like a big software project. And he oh. comes up to me and he's like, Hey, I want to build this. It's like this real intense app for this school. And I was like, look, I don't have capacity to do it, but I can introduce you to someone who might be able to do it for you. So he was like, that sounds good. So I introduced him to this guy, this mate of mine, who's the developer. And the project ended up being like huge money. No, listen, what's huge, man? It was around like the 30K mark or something like that. 
Okay. I don't know. And I just referred it to him. And the guy paid me 20% commission and I didn't have to do, I didn't have to lift a finger for it. I just had to introduce the two to each other. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> so at the time I was just, I was just so confused because I was so intensely trying to get like hatch up and running that like, I was just not trying at all with the other thing. So I had to incorporate a company in order so that we could separate out hatcher from like what I was doing with my little like referral service. And so I had to come up with a name and at the time we were making jokes about these, about these apps that we were making, because it's like, look, you know, we're like surrounded by all these like business experts who are turning us into unicorns. When in reality, we're the ones who are actually building these things and helping people start their businesses. So maybe we are the unicorn factory. And so I was just like, okay. I like that. (laughs) So I was like, that's the name. I don't care. That's the name. Didn't even have a logo. I was just like, whatever. I do not care. And so I called it Unicorn Factory and it just kept going. It just kept going. It just kept going. And then I had my little like um, period of self-pity where I went up for my two-week weekend. And like the reason why I had to come back was because there were more and more people who were like, hey, I've got, I'm interested in like hiring you to do some development services from us. And I was just kind of like, I don't know. This is the oddest thing ever. And I'd see like, it, it's funny, like looking back at it in hindsight, I could have just honestly set up a dev shop, but I was just like not interested in it at all. So I just kept mm. referring that work to my friend. Um, and so then I came back and I was like, okay, I need to make money for myself now. Like, like this, the commission and stuff is all good and stuff like that. But like, I need to like make money for myself. So I just took a course in Facebook ads and I learned how to do Facebook ads. Yeah. I was just kind of like, I had already developed like an interest in like digital marketing through my time with Hatcher, but I was just kind of, we hired someone, we hired this kid to help us with Hatcher who was doing drop shipping at the time. And he was 18 years old and he was making a lot of money drop shipping, like garbage off the internet to people in whatever country they were in. What does a lot of money mean? He was making like probably like 30 grand a month or something. I was just like, what the hell? Ooh. And basically he set up a <laughs> Shopify store and he was just like doing ads. And he was literally like, he's just like, when I, this is the funniest thing about it. When we hired him, I asked him how much he charged. And he was like, whatever you want to pay me. And I was like, okay, like 20 bucks an hour. He's like, okay. Um, and he was just like such, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't get to say, he was so smart. He had like gone through the process of reading like all of the like sales funnel, you know, internet bro marketing stuff. And he just applied all of that to like our business and stuff. And I was like, this stuff is so interesting. So I like started asking him a lot more about it. I started to understand a lot more about what we were doing. And I kind of got into that world and I was kind of like, you know what? The best way that I'm going to learn more about this is if I actually do it for businesses. So um, I started um, just doing a little bit of Facebook advertising for people. And um, I then, um, like at the time, I didn't have my own website. So, you know, in classic entrepreneurial fashion, I was like, well, you could just make a portfolio website like every other normal freelancer. Or you could try and cheat the system somehow. So my thinking was, you know, it's very hard for me to stand out from other freelancers when it comes to like websites, because number one, I can't really design nice websites. Like that's the starting point. Like there are people out there who are like legit web designers. Like you would like 
blow me out of the water when it comes to web design. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to win any competitions that way. So I need to come up with another system that will make people think that I'm kind of like the go-to person when it comes to anything Facebook ads related. So I was like, how about I make a directory, the number one freelancer? <laughs> so my logic was I build this directory. Oh my God. I, I build this directory. I load myself on there. I load my mate on there who's doing the software development company. And then I'm going to find a few more people. I don't care whether they're freelancing or not. I just need them on there. So I asked two former colleagues of mine who were not even freelancing. Um, my girlfriend, I asked her if she wanted to be on there. I had some other friends who were kind of doing like web designy stuff. And then I also like put my accountant on there. So like the first eight freelancers, like two were legitimate freelancers and the rest were just like people who were like nice enough to agree to be on my website. Yeah, you and can use so, my photo. <laughs> yeah, they're like, sure. I mean, like, I can't do any work in case I do get work. I'm like, don't worry, we're not getting work. Or like, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is, the whole point of this is mostly for me to get work. And so- That is hilarious. Um, and like, I had just gotten into Webflow as well. So I was really inspired by Webflow experts, as you could probably mm. tell just with how the site is set up. And someone had just put a post out there about how it was built with Webflow and Zapier. And I'm like, mm. this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. So I got so pumped by that that I just built the site. And I put it out there immediately because there was no like, hey, I'm going to do like a proper celebratory launch and all that kind of stuff. I was like, nah, li literally, I just need to get paid work. Okay. We don't have time for any like fancy parades and stuff like that. Plus six <laughs> of the people on there, six of the people on there are not even freelancing. So like, I don't know how I'll explain that to anyone. So let's just build it, put it out there and we'll be good to go. So I put it out there and I start like, telling people in the co-working space, hey, if you ever need a Facebook ads person here, check out my web, check out this website and say my website because I didn't want them to think that I just made myself the go-to person. But I was just like, hey, check this out. And I don't know how this happened, but we started getting work for the website. Like my friends who were not even freelancing were like, hey, I just got an email from someone who wants me to like write website for their copy. Uh, sorry, right? wants me to write copy oh, for the website. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, I got a job for your website. And I'm like, oh, well, like, I don't know. Like, if you can't do it, just tell me you can't do it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and, and I didn't then, think that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, then the other guy that I was working with, he got a lead through the website who was paying me commission. He was like, dude, I just got a job for this. It's epic. And I'm like, this is fantastic. The only problem was I wasn't getting work. <laughs> the whole point of it was that I got work. Um, so... I just started reaching out to people and like being like, Hey, I noticed that you do this, this, and this, do you need help with your Facebook ads? And they were like, no, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, I was like, if you ever do, here's my website, check it out. And suddenly they're like contacting like copywriters and like, you know, editors and stuff. I'm like, what? what? This is unbelievable. Either way. I started to get to the point where we were like getting like a little bit of work here and there. And then I was like, maybe I should put this out onto like a Facebook group, like uh, our like local startup Facebook group. And so I put it on like this group called NZ Tech Startup. And I basically say, hey, I'm running this little thing. If anyone needs support with your local business, you know, your local freelancers, just get in touch. 
and I put it out there. And the next, I think like the next time I logged into my, like into Gmail, I had like 16 people who had emailed me asking me if they can be on my website. They're like, wow. Hey, I, I'm a web designer. Can I be on your website? And I was just kind of like, uh, um, like, yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, I was just kind of like, look, and they're like, how much does it cost? And I'm like, like nothing. Like, I don't know. Like, no, I, I don't charge for it. So you can just be <laughs> on there. And so they're like, okay, so how's it work? And I was kind of like, um, I don't know, like send me a picture and like your bio and all that kind of stuff. And I'll just upload it to Webflow. And it was so ghetto. It was all so manual <laughs> and it was kind of like, and so it got to the point where like people thought I was like a legit company and they were like, why is it taking so long? Why can't I not sign up? Why can't I not upload my own thing? Why can't I not edit my profile? And I'm like, Look. what's your customer service number? <laughs> my customer service was non-existent. But I was just like, I was just like oh, look, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not responding to this email. Like this person is clearly like <laughs> passive aggressive and they're not even paying me. So they delete. Um, and so then, and then I was kind of like, look, and I can tell you right now, like at the time, I was not even like, I was not even taking it seriously. For me, it was like, my number one focus is like Facebook ads. And like this kind of thing here is like a joke that as soon as someone finds out, I've just got like six friends of mine on here who are not even freelancing. And it's really the site is just designed for me to get work. People are just going to stop using it. So I was just kind of like, whatever, you know? And I, I was kind of also like, I think like in hindsight, it was like, also, I didn't get like really invested and hyped on it because I was kind of worried that if I did the same thing would happen with Hatcher and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I just was like upload people and then like more people would sign up. Then I was like, okay, this is getting really annoying, like uploading people's stuff. So I made like a Google form and people started filling out the Google form. Then I used Zapier to upload that to the Webflow CMS and I'll, I'll spare the journey of like the no Cody type of stuff, but I, Oh, um, I think I, did you make a video about it? How you made, um, uh, unicorn factory? Yeah, I did. I think I watched uh, I think, that. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of like, I just added one thing at a time, whatever was like annoying me the most was going to get automated. And, um, then I don't know what happened, but from one day to the other, suddenly all these businesses started using the unicorn factory. And I think there's a combination of factors. The SEO kicked in, word of mouth kicked in. Mm. Um, Then there were freelancers on the unicorn factory who had put a badge on their personal website, basically telling people that they are on the unicorn factory, which was the wildest thing for me. I was like, people would like email me and their link to their unicorn factory profile was in their email, like, description thing or like you know their like photo where their name and stuff is and i'm like like, like where they is... put their linkedin link like linkedin yes, and then unicorn yes. factory yes i was just like what is this wildness <laughs> and so i'm like right now i'm like this is like a little side hustle but i'm making zero dollars off it but it's no worries because i started funding some facebook ads clients all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um i also had like I got a job working as the head of marketing of a startup. I'll spare you the details on this story because that again is like another like hour of me just going on about how like, yeah, it's a, a whole different story. I'll honestly <laughs> save you the spiel. Um, but things were just like tracking along. And then I was like, maybe I should try and monetize this. 
And so maybe. <laughs> so I was like, how can we monetize this? So I was like, maybe I should just charge these like freelancers to be on here. So mm. I was like, look, I'll charge you like 10 bucks. <laughs> I was like, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like, you know, I was kind of like, look, I, I, I want, I don't, I want, I don't want to spoil it by like going out there and being like 600 bucks or some yeah. garbage like that. So I was like, 10 bucks is nice. You know, that's like two coffees a week or something like that. And so um, basically um, there was no way to process payments other than like creating Stripe checkout links and then sending not not even Stripe checkout links. It wasn't like payment links as it is now. It was literally like you jump into Stripe and you create like a custom link and then you send it to people. And like no one paid me that way. <laughs> um, but I was like, whatever. Because at the time, the the other freelancer who was paying me commission was getting so much work that it was actually just paying for itself. Like, wow. um, I think at the time I was paying like maybe $200 for all the tools. Um mm-hmm. And like, I was making like so much more than that, like in, um, in commission. So I was just like, whatever. So there was like no urgency for me to make money off it. Um, and then, um, there was like in the forums, like people started getting a bit like, we need user accounts, we need payments and all that kind of stuff. And there's like a little bit of like rage going on in the early days. (laughs) And, um, I was kind of like, it would be really cool to have this, like a user membership system type thing. So this is like a random one. I don't even know if these guys remember this, but I put it out in the forum or somewhere and Duncan and Tyler got in touch with me. Duncan and Tyler from Memberstack. Sorry, from Memberstack. Oh, Oh, okay. And so we jumped on a call (laughs) and they said to me, and they were like, I was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I explained it to them. And they're like, yeah, we can build this for you. And I'm like, okay, how much uh, is it? And they're like, 10,000 US dollars. And I was like, no, like, I'll think about it, which is code for whenever, whenever, whenever anyone says to you, I'll think about it, they're not thinking about it. Yeah. They just don't want to say no. And I was like, oh, mm, nah, not at the moment. And they're like, okay, that's all good. And they were really nice. They even made me a little demo of it which was sick. They like made a demo of how it would work. And I was like, wow, this is sick. But I just couldn't pay them 10 grand at the time. Yeah. Either way, Memberstack gets started. And um, as soon as I launch it, I was just like, let me try it out. I set it up on my website and it just works. Like exactly Mm. everything that we had been asking for was just created on the spot. And so I um, set it up. And then I put my $10 plan on there and I was kind of like, if you want to have a blue verified badge as part of your profile, you have to pay me $10 or $99 a year. Um, Wow. And from one day to the other, people just started paying me. And I don't know why. I kind of assumed that no one would, but there were a whole bunch of people that upgraded to paid accounts. And I was having a chat with a few of them and most of them said, well, the main reason why I signed up to the paid account was because you actually, I actually got like a $5,000 job for your website. So for paying you $99 is only fair. Far out. Um, and, but like at this time, things had really turned around for me. Like I wasn't needing the cash that much. I wasn't like any uh, like financial, I wasn't in a financial uh, difficult situation. And like, mm-hmm. I had enough work myself. So suddenly all this money is coming in and I'm kind of like, well, I don't really need the money. 
you know i had also just like i had now people was like paying me so now i better deliver so i just started av- uh, um investing into paid advertising and that just set things off so as soon as i started investing into ads we just started getting freelancers signing up we started getting clients posting jobs and wow. I was pretty much operating the business at break even. Whatever was left after um, I paid for all of the tools, I put straight into ads. And mm. um, whatever, and the, the money that I did keep was the commission money. Mm. So the commission money was pretty good. So I was like, I'll keep that. But what <laughs> I found was like any dollars that I made through like the memberships, I just put straight back in to help them get work. And mm. it was mostly because I was afraid that they'll be like, we're not getting work for your website. But people were getting so much work for the site. And I was like, well, I better keep this up, you know? Mm-hmm. And the good thing about it was as we started investing into paid advertising, more and more people started posting jobs to the website. And sometimes people would post a job to the website with a really big budget. And instead of putting it to the job board, I'd just give it to my mate who would pay me commission on it. So it created this real <laughs> nice like flywheel of like just reinvesting, 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 reinvesting. I kept it super simple. I didn't like build too much stuff. I was just like, the more I build, the more admin there is and more fixing there is. So I'll just keep it super simple. And it just kind of worked. And like, even today it works. Like we get so much work through the website. It's like, it's like, really like it's really really busy um and yeah it's kind of grown into what it is now and yeah it's it's been like a trip like because i like I, i never made plans for it i just feel like i did the things that i had to do in order to like be able to do it as a side hustle and also to add as much value as I can to the freelancers who were paying me. Because ultimately I thought the only way that this is going to work is if I manage to consistently get work for these freelancers, as soon as that stops, the business stops. Mm. And yeah, I just, that was my sole focus. I didn't care about anything other than just getting them work and yeah, it's worked out well. And so so what is it like being you now <laughs> like wh- what are your days like well as you know i i have my hand in a lot of pots you know <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so so throughout all of us like like as soon as i started i can tell you right now as soon as i started to relax you know and i stopped mm-hmm. taking myself too seriously things just started to fall into place so the next big thing that happened to me was like the no code conference. So really? yeah. So that was massive for me personally, because I was still doing like a lot of Facebook ads and stuff like that. I was working on the unicorn factory and like, I had told like a few people about the unicorn factory, but I was like the one thing that really, I, I was really worried about putting myself out there after like the way that I kind of, I wouldn't say conducted myself, but the way that I, the attitude and the mindset that I had during Hatcher, where I was kind of like, man, this is Mm. like a billion dollar company. Check it out. You know, I I was just kind of like, you cannot do this shit anymore. Like you cannot, you cannot like be unrealistic about this kind of stuff. You have to like be humble about it. Okay. So I would not really tell anyone about it. And in fact, I told like a few of my developer mates, about what I had built with no code. And they were like, dude, 
this is like a drag and drop tool. Do not even talk to me. <laughs> I was just kind of like, okay, that's fair. So I felt like what I was building was complete like nonsense anyway. Um, really? But, but then I don't know who it was. Someone hit me up and they were like, how did you build this? And I was like, oh, your web flow. They're like, yeah, but how did you build like the backing functionality? And I was like, um, I use like web, I use like Airtable as my database and Zapier to automate the workflows. And they're like, what? You managed to build this? And I was like, yeah. And I was kind of like, I was mostly like, I was kind of like, oh man, this is kind of like a bit weird. Like I didn't realize that they were kind of like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and then uh, someone posted it in some forum and like suddenly I started getting all this traffic from everywhere but New Zealand coming to the Unicorn Factory website and so many like spam messages, people wanting to test out like the contact forms and stuff like that. And then people were like, uh, then someone was like, this is like amazing. Like you should tell people about this for sure. And I was like, oh, not really. And then around the same time, like the NoCo conference came out and someone yeah. said, and I think it was like uh, my what my wife and another friend of mine who was on the Unicorn Factory were like, you have to apply and tell them. And I was just kind of like, there is no way on earth that they are going to accept me doing a talk about this. Like I was literally in like a mindset where I was like, this is like, people don't care about this stuff. Like people, like, honestly, this is just me trying to parade stuff around. And, and they were like, look, just apply. Like what's the worst thing that can happen? And um, so I applied and then they like, I got like a reply being like, yes, we want you to come and speak. And I was just like, this is unbelievable. This is insane. I'm like, what? What am I even going to tell people? And so I went, I went to the what conference. Are you even and I, can, say? <laughs> I went to the conference and like, honestly, it was like a trip. I can tell you now, like the, probably like the moment where I was like, this is amazing was when I met Nelson. Because I had watched really? all of, I had what I had watched like pretty much all of Nelson's videos, and when I saw him in person, and he recognized me, and he was like, he's just like the you know the way that you like kind of picture people, you see people on like YouTube, and you're like, oh, yeah, what like in real life, like Nelson is in real life the way that he is on his streams. He's just <laughs> such a cool dude, like, and it, so it was such a trip, and I met so many amazing people. Like I met um. Aaron from Automate All the Things. I met mm. um, I met um, Vlad from Webflow. Like we had a quick chat. We went to the Webflow offices. I met Ben wow. from Makerpad, and I just met so many people that I just like said such a like good like built such a good relationship with. Um, and so I did my talk. I was so nervous. So funny thing about the talk was. I prepared for it and I estimated that my talk, so I had 60 minute slot and when I practiced it, it took me like 55 minutes. So I was like, okay, you don't have like a lot of time. So I, I sped up and I like kind of, I think I like skipped through a few slides as well, like being all nervous <laughs> and I hit about the 30 minute mark and I was done. And I was like, oh my God, my like <laughs> 60 minute talk is only 30 minute long. And so I was done and I was like, well, does anyone have any questions? And like for half an hour straight, I was just answering questions about like no code stuff. And it was what like, was that like, it was so much fun because like the, what was so awesome about it was that at the time, like the no code, like community was kind of just online and it wasn't that big. And like, 
I was like in New Zealand, so like over there, like there were not that many people, if any, that were like using Webflow or Airtable or Zapier for that matter. And I was just surrounded by people who were just loving this stuff. Like I remember when I met Aaron from Automate All the Things, like we were sitting at this like um we were sitting, we met at this bar before the conference and there were like eight or nine of us. And we just started talking about like linked records and ear table or some nerdy garbage like that. And it was like, you had just like discovered a world of people who were just interested in the exact same stuff as you. And um, yeah, it was just amazing. Like um, we just had such a good time there. Um, We like, I met so many amazing people, like all the people that you kind of see online, like Raymar. Raymar is like another dude that like when you meet him in person, he's just like such a champ, you know? And so <laughs> then when you come back to it and you see them all online, it's you have like different relationships with people. And it was a like a life-changing experience, like just being there. Um, but like at the time, the one thing that I had realized was like I didn't go there with a plan to sell anything. Like I was mm. just kind of like, okay, like. I'm a Facebook ads person and I'm going to tell people about my, about the unicorn factory and then I'm just going to leave. Not realizing that, well, maybe people are interested in this stuff. So I went there and after I came back, heaps of people messaged me and they were like, hey, can you share your slides and your screen, blah, blah, blah. So I actually just got on Loom and like, honestly, you should check out the recording. It's so garbage. <laughs> and I just like <laughs> basically did the talk again and I uploaded it. And I got so many people who got in touch with me being like, can you build one for me? Can you teach me how to build this? All this kind of stuff. And so um, I basically decided that instead of doing like Facebook ads stuff, which was kind of like getting a bit boring to me as well, I'll just help people set up like online marketplaces with like no code tools. So I, there was a couple that got in touch with me and they were from New Zealand, like funnily enough. You know, they were just like, hey, um, we're fans of the Unicorn Factory. Um, we work in social enterprises. We tried it with developers. It didn't work. We basically want to build what you did with the Unicorn Factory for local charities. Can you help us? And I was kind huh. of like, I was like, ooh, this is a tough one because I don't know <laughs> if I can do this. But I was just kind of like, you know what? Let's just do it. So I actually hired someone to help me with the Webflow stuff because like that is honestly the area where like I see people like you design things and other web designers. I'm like, I just cannot pretend to be a web designer. Like you cannot fake that, you know, like you cannot fake like picking the right fonts for projects. Um, and so um, I didn't start off it. knowing any of that. <laughs> I know, but like, you know, like I feel like you need to have like a certain degree of like, style and when i see like <laughs> some of these developers i'm like i'm never going to be as cool as that so i'm like <laughs> let me focus on like the zapier and ear table stuff so uh, the dude that i hired nikolai who also started a youtube channel on like webflow stuff he just recently started he's doing a real good job with it because he's What's really sticking channel called? To i think just nikolai bain if you go okay if you yeah, he, he does real cool stuff. Like I actually watch his videos and I'm like, wow, I did not know that you could do that. And this is pretty cool. Um, so he's he, I hired him to do like my site. He did like a fantastic job. Um, then I did all the automation and it just worked. And they loved it. 
they have been working on it for ages. They have learned how to do it themselves. So there's the the two of them. And um Steven, the dude, he just learned the no code stuff. So he used to write um he used to write um tender bids for businesses that wanted to raise money for, or like wanted to get like um money from the government. So he would just tender, write your proposal. Tender bids? Yeah. Is that like, you know, a like grants? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's okay. essentially that. And so he would just write applications for businesses. And so now he's okay. like doing no code stuff. And he's like, he does stuff that I'm like, wow, I didn't even really know that you could do that. So he like works with like different integrations and just like an absolute legend, like the stuff that he does. And they both have worked so hard on that. And then, um, and like, th- so then, um, when was it? Probably October last year, I was like, things were going well. And like, I put myself in like a goodish situation financially. I was like quite happy with how things were going. I just moved to Canada. Um, I was kind of like resetting. Like, I was like, uh, this is like an opportunity for me to try some new things. So I signed up to a course called the part-time YouTuber Academy. And I don't know why I did it. I wasn't particularly interested in YouTubing or any of that stuff, but I felt like, um, it was an interesting skill to learn for starters. Plus my big goal for 2021 was to be more consistent at stuff. Like if mm. there was like one area where I felt like I was not always good is that I wasn't super consistent with things. Like I'll try something and then I'd like stick with it for a few weeks and then I'd give up on it. And so I was like, you know what? I want to pick something that I think won't be easy for me at the beginning um, so I thought I would pick something that I am interested in, something that would be useful to my business overall, and something that I could practice sticking to, despite the fact that it will probably be quite hard at the beginning. So I decided to like sign up to this course. I also bought like a camera that I spent like 600 bucks on, which at the time I was like, wow, like I'm stingier than I am like lazy. So I was like, now that I've bought this camera, I'm doing it. Um <laughs> And so I signed up to it and um, I was just kind of like, I'm going to make videos about no code stuff and maybe about entrepreneurship things. And one of the first lessons that he said straight off the bat was like, the secret is pretty simple. Two videos a week for two years and you're all good. And I was kind of like, no matter what I, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if it's true, but like, I was like, you know, whatever, like, sure. And I was like, whatever happens, my goal for this thing is to do two videos per week for a year straight. And that's not easy. I am doing this. I do not care. I am not missing one week under any circumstance. Um, and I was like, you know what? If I end up getting like a hundred subscribers at the end of the year, I do not care as long as I hit two videos a week. And let me tell you, it is so hard <laughs> to do it consistently, but yeah. I'm, I've got like another month to go and I've got another six videos to go. I think I've got like, wow. Yeah. So I've stuck to it and I have just done this for one year and I've just been making YouTube videos, showing people how to build the unicorn factory. I've got like competitors popping up everywhere now, (laughs) watching my (laughs) tutorials and basically rebuilding what I've done. But um, just been smashing out these YouTube videos every week and that has been another really, really great experience. So many good things have come from it. Like 
a it's been really so i decided when i started doing these tutorials i also decided to set up a little course for people because i as soon as you start putting out videos like people just want more you know so i was like look i'm gonna make a little course with like the step-by-step process that i use to build like the unicorn factory canada or the all these other startups so that if people want to learn how to build it themselves, they can just build it. And again, I was just kind of like, I'll make these videos mostly for Steven and Alice who are doing chives so that they can kind of learn how to build their own site without having to rely on me. And I made the videos, I put them up there. So besides doing the two videos a week, I also built an entire like little mini course. And then I just decided, look, if anyone wants to do it, I'll just point them towards it. I decided to charge um, two grand for it. Again, the main reason why I decided to charge two grand for it was because it's quite expensive. I I once got this course that cost me two grand. And at the time that was a huge investment for me. Like Mm -hmm. I was like really uncomfortable, like paying that amount of money. But the, the main reason why I ended up charging that for my course was because after I had made that commitment of two grand, which like, trust me, at the time was like a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. I was so focused on the course. Like I did the work and I stuck to it. Like I was too far. I, I had made too much of a financial commitment at the time to not follow through with it. And I had bought a lot of $19 Udemy courses. And <laughs> I I looked at like the first five minutes of them and they are still there. Um, and so I was like, I want to help people with this. If they, if they, are serious about it. I want them to make that commitment financially, but then I am going to go above and beyond to deliver. So mm. like I jump on calls with them and like, I help them with more than just the no code stuff. Now, like we talk about like the business side of things and like, you know, I give them a lot of my sob stories as you can probably tell, you know, <laughs> I, I love a good sob story. Um, and yeah, so I've been doing that and YouTube has helped with that immensely like Mm -hmm. just like getting new people to like sign up and to join the program and stuff and like the the best thing about it has been just like what people have been building with it because it's all of these people who are like very entrepreneurial to get started and they just don't want to spend like stupid money on developers or they don't have stupid money to spend on developers but they are Mm -hmm. wanting to bid on themselves a bit and so um they are like so committed to like doing a great job and it's a real treat to get to work with those kind of people because I get to basically watch them go through some of the processes that I've gone through when I've like worked on the unicorn factory or hatcher and it feels really good to be able to pass on some of the things that I've learned and like it's been really fun in short yeah that was that's how you and I met pretty much uh yeah and and i i know i I said that uh um talking to you on on zoom on uh doing the the whole long podcast i was uh nervous about a little bit but uh you and i met because i i had this project that i uh wanted to work on and made the proposal for it didn't go through but uh i i found you on youtube and then i reached out to you on your website and I was pretty much like, I I think I can do this, but I don't know. I like I need help. It was this this like super complicated uh like trash disposal. 
project if you you yeah. remember the call I, a long I, I time remember, ago i remember i remember <laughs> i was afraid of that one <laughs> no <laughs> yeah no i do remember well the thing about it was about that particular project was something that a lot of people do is like when you don't have a lot of experience in the product space that your client by the sounds of things didn't have you don't know what's first of all you don't know what's feasible and what's not feasible but it's not even so much that it's what's practical and not practical and like a lot of times when you have worked with developers in the past you've kind of had to give them the whole list of things that you want because once you've given it to them it's kind of like that's what you'll get back out but these tools basically allow us to build in increments which means like you can start real simple and then just build on it over time. And a lot of people are still not used to that yet. So mm. like you can, for example, with like your, with like the Unicorn Factory, for example, you could build the most basic version of the Unicorn Factory uh, without any workflows. You could just build it in Webflow mm-hmm. and you just have to do a little, a few things manually. But what you'll discover is after you've built it in Webflow, something will become time consuming to you. For example, automatically forwarding on messages to people is going to become a pain, you know? Mm. So then you have to come up with a solution for that. And the way that you can solve those things is by using a tool like Zapier, for example. And so oftentimes what I've found with these bigger projects is that it's a very specific path that people have drawn out. And because I was someone in that position at one point, I know that even though people say they are flexible about like where things can go, they really aren't, you know, mm-hmm. and you um, put yourself in a pretty dangerous position when you work with clients like that, because they will not pay you until you have built them some random thing that's not actually adding any value or physically or actually possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm always quite conscious about those kind of things, but to be, to be honest with you, I feel like you would have pulled it off for sure. Um, you would have, you would have pulled it off one way or the other. It's just a matter of like how painful the journey would have been. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I wanted to bring up one thing of, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know if you remember, um, I, I get emails about what things that happen in Webflow and, and communities and stuff like that. And I got the one email about uh, you had an, an event that you were doing on Zoom. And I joined it thinking that there were going to be like 100 people there or something like that. And it was just me and like two other people that were part that wanted to like they were part of this like community that just happened to do it that day. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to think that I'm a crazy person. I talked to him once and now I'm like. <laughs> and then when they asked me to like introduce myself i was like oh my god i don't want to do this so do you you know what's funny about that so first of all i actually don't mind those at all like it's happened a few times but to be completely honest with you i don't do these things because um because like i want something out of it like so many people have given me a lot of their time so i'm absolutely happy to like show up and like do like a talk on a zoom meeting that has like three people in it you know like obviously if they're more sweet but you know at the end of the day it's like you know it doesn't it takes up like an hour of my day and it's like you know if it actually helps people out or it kind of helps them get started then you may as well do it but the funny thing that i've that i've realized about this is i've done like a few of these 
like little meetups that had like three people in them. And the amount of emails I get from people who want to have a one-on-one with me to ask me for advice is actually like criminal. Like really? I have so many people, honestly, I've got like, I think I've got like 15 unanswered emails in my inbox right now. And they just want to, <laughs> they just want to pick my brain. So like I had to pull the plug because like, I was like, I can't do these one-on-one things, but those people will never show up to those little zoom meetings where they're like two other people. And I'm literally there and I'll answer your questions for like a full hour, but they don't want to show up to those things, but they get shitty if you don't give them like an hour of your time to answer your question about parabolas and garbage like that. So like, I kind of feel like, first of all, I didn't think, it was actually cool to see you there. I was like, wow, like, you know, like you're genuinely interested in this stuff and like, you want to hear what I have to say about them. And I'm like, I find that cool. Like, and so everyone that showed up that day, like, I find it like, I find it great because like people are, if you go out of your way to go and do these things, like you clearly have like a level of interest in it. And like, you know, you see someone who might be able to help out and you take advantage of that. You know how many people just like, don't do that. Even though these things are out there all of the time, it's actually kind of funny in a way, because like, it kind of shows me that, I don't know, it kind of separates out the people who kind of want to do it, like really want to do it. And the people who kind of, don't you know in a way and so i've showed up to like events where they've been like not a lot of people but someone was speaking who i wanted to hear about i did that especially in the early days of me freelancing with like people who ran agencies and i just show up and i'll be like so how do you usually charge for like freelance work and they'll be like oh well it depends like and i'm like yeah on what and that'd give me basically the blueprint of everything that i needed to know in order to charge people for the facebook ads work that i was doing so it's kind of like take advantage of those things because you know why not absolutely and like the the weird thing about that is is that i so coming from graphic design where i felt like it was like really competitive and there wasn't a lot of like collaboration like I didn't I never did like a a group project in like all the four years I was in school and then Mm -hmm. starting in uh like no code communities and talking to people I was like making friends like genuine friends like left and right and it was weird like (laughs) I I even uh start when I started doing the podcast it was just like to to like kind of trick people to become friends with me because like we had an excuse to hang out (laughs) and uh so when I started reaching out to people they like I have friends that I've never met in person and I'll ask them webflow questions I'll ask them uh all of these different things I'll send them a website that I'm working on and, and I'll record my reaction and then they'll send me something and it's it's definitely like oh just connecting with with friends that i i felt like i hadn't done before like um i remember having issues trying to connect with friends in high school like we didn't really have a lot of uh stuff in common or anything like that like great friends just something was missing and just i don't know being able to do that like even uh nelson i uh i i just kind of just wouldn't be friends with him and then uh he asked me to work on a project for him and then he was just so nice to me that whole time that at the end 
like I sent him and his family some mochi <laughs> to his PO box. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just like, I, I haven't, I mean, maybe one day I might have a bad experience, but like every single experience with so many people are just so positive. And like, even on LinkedIn, people will connect with me and I'll introduce myself and say hi. And then like, we'll just become friends. And it's just, I don't know, I just feel like it's really different than any other job I've been in, any other major that I've been a part of or anything like that. Like, mm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like, like web flow culture or something like that. I don't get it, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's like, I think the reason why people connect with each other a lot easier through these platforms is because like, they see a lot of themselves in each other. So like when you see people who's like, uh, when you, when you like reach out to someone who's like a super established web designer and you just want to connect with them and all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of the times those people, they see themselves in you. They're like, Oh, I remember what it was like being in this position. And, um, I feel like therefore, like, especially in the entrepreneurial spaces, it's not just designers. I think designers are probably like emotionally a bit more in touch with the world when comparing to developers. (laughs) You're going to have to cut this out because I'm going to get a lot of hate. Um, But like, you you know, like, I I think the thing about it is, is that like, at the end of the day, you know, everyone's kind of out there trying to figure it out for themselves. You know, like everyone's trying to like, do what they love doing you know like people just want to design for a living some people just want to build workflows and zapier for a living and at the end of the day doing that by yourself can be quite hard like it can be quite stressful and you know it can kind of feel like it's just you against the rest of the world and i think the cool thing about it is is that you sometimes meet people where you can see that same kind of like lifestyle and it's a lot easier to connect with people and you know like every once in a while like you'll reach out to someone someone will just be like no um and you like the one thing that i'd never assume is that people say no out of malice because oftentimes i get messages from people who seem like perfectly cool and seem like people that i definitely want to chat with or help out with but i just can't do it because i don't have the time to do it Mm -hmm. and so like i would always like encourage you to keep doing it because Mm -hmm. like you never know who you're going to connect with you know like you never know if like nelson will suddenly like you know hand over clients to you or if someone will introduce you to someone for your podcast and all that kind of stuff and so that's one aspect of it another aspect of it is that like you've actually been doing the work you know like you've been putting your podcasts out there consistently like you pretty much show up in my YouTube feed like every single time now, you know? <laughs> so it's not like you, it's not like you are just like there looking for handouts. Like, and that that might be a harsh way to put it, but like, I think I read this somewhere or heard it somewhere. It's like, um, in order for you to be interesting to people, you have to be interested in something. And like all the things that you're doing with your like podcasts and with your videos, trust me, they count big time because people will see that and it doesn't matter like if you have it doesn't matter how many subscribers you have it doesn't matter how many people listen to your podcast it doesn't matter all those kind of things people see the effort you know and that effort counts for a lot more than you think Mm 
So I think like one of the main reasons why people want to like, or at least why I also wanted to jump on this call with you is because I actually thought it was great. Like how you reached out to me that time with the, with the proposal and like, you know, even though it didn't work out and stuff like that, like I took you very seriously that day. Like I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't think of you. It was like, Oh, just someone trying to whatever attitude people have i was taking you very very seriously and i'm actually like 100 certain that like if the project would have gone ahead it would have gone really well but like even though it didn't go ahead like just the way that you conducted yourself and then like all the all the other things that followed after that kind of basically made you a peer of ours you know and so i would always remember that even especially when things don't work out as well I, I remember talking to you that day and I, I remember, I, I think I finished talking and then I think you paused and you were like, how old are you? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm 22. <laughs> Trust me, if I, if I did half the things that you were doing at 22, I would, I, I would have been very happy with myself. I was still out in town drinking at 22. I was still out in town drinking at like 28 to be completely honest but. I I it's it, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine uh and and he uh he was asking me about um like uh what I was doing and all that kind of stuff and I was like well I have uh, the podcast and then I do fun review videos that I watch <laughs> and yeah. um I don't know it's just like fun stuff and he's like well you like your marketing's really good and I'm like don't say that to me <laughs> like I don't like that word I'm like it's all like like fun stuff like right now I feel like it's the same feeling that I have like I walked over to my friends who live in the apartment across the street and I just like had a drink with them and hung out like I feel so much more relaxed like unwinding after work and and uh I don't know I I I watched this this uh Rand Seagal video um a while back uh where I think he was talking about like how you can't do everything like some people I remember years where people would say you absolutely like have to have a design Instagram and you have to post this many times and all this kind of stuff and it was like really overwhelming I was like I don't want anything to do with that and 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 then he uh talked about like hey just like do what you like doing and then you'll be consistent with it and I'm like okay I uh, b- before I started doing the podcast I was literally just like um finding people that I thought were really interesting on LinkedIn and then I messaged them and I was like essentially saying like hey do you want to be friends yeah. <laughs> like I would say hey do you have time for a call and then I would talk to them for like like hours there was one woman I I I said hey I I think you're really cool I I I like what you've done with your life and uh we talked on the phone from the time that she was driving from New York till she was like, she was like, I think she was in Rhode Island. Like we were just talking. And I, this is the first time I ever spoken to her before. And then I was like, if this is what I really like doing, like this sounds like fun. And then doing the YouTube reviews is just like me teaching myself what like a, a user test is and like different ways that people approach just like, how information is structured because if you look at different sites uh, usually like clothing is is clothing like if you're looking at an e-commerce store like it's essentially the same thing different brands different all this kind of stuff but like it's just interesting to see how people like take information and change it and have transitions animations and all that kind of stuff so 
yeah it, it's all it's all just fun and I just try not to think about it much <laughs> for sure if it feels like you're doing so like if you get to the point where you feel like everything you're doing is a hobby and you're not actually doing work that is like a good place to be in but it will also kind of I've had moments where I've been like what am I actually doing with myself <laughs> like I've had moments of being like in that mindset where I'm like tinkering away at the unicorn factory and I'm kind of like this is not really like a, I'm not really running this like a business like mm-hmm. and you're or like like I kind of feel like out of all the things that I do I'm the most relaxed about the unicorn factory the YouTube stuff is kind of I, I don't know none of this stuff seems like work to me because if I if I would not enjoy it I probably wouldn't do it but I can tell you right now it's like you're you're doing like I, I personally think that you're doing the right thing you're doing the right thing a lot faster than like it took me a long time to realize this like a lot of people try real real hard to achieve certain things and they use their like goalposts um as they use basically the benchmarks of others to basically head there so they kind of feel like if they don't have like five thousand subscribers on instagram or whatever then they're not doing their job right and like i knew that when i was going to get into this um into the youtube stuff that i would really ruin it for myself if i did it for anything else other than for myself like Mm -hmm. i was just like if i just do this for me and i do my like two videos a week challenge for like an entire year then it doesn't really matter how many subscribers I have. And like, don't get me wrong, there'll always be like an element of that. But like, I have not once been like, oh, I put so much effort into this video. I, I'm not doing anymore. I was just kind of like, look, it doesn't matter. Two videos a week. And, you know, I'm just going to pull through it. Same thing with the Unicorn Factory. It's just like, just constantly fix what needs to be fixed. Don't overdo it. Have fun with it. And honestly, like, for one, it makes it a lot easier to sustain working on those things. And most importantly, like I always find that it pays off over time in one way or the other. It oftentimes pays off in ways that you don't actually realize, you know, like, or didn't anticipate it working out. So I think you're doing the right thing. And I think you're doing it like, I think that the way that you're approaching it as well is like, really healthy like in a way that i don't think a lot of other people do it especially people who are just getting into this kind of world so definitely keep it up i think that like your youtube videos um like someone's gonna watch it one day and they're gonna hire you for like a ridiculous <laughs> job and it, and it might be a video that you posted like ages ago yeah. you know or someone might hit you up and they might be like can you review my website then here's a, here's a funny story someone hit me <laughs> up to make a video review about the anoko tool I couldn't believe it. Really? And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, I've got this app and I, I think you'd like it. Do you want to try it out? And I'll pay you to make the video. And so I did it. Wow. And I got paid for it. And I was just like, holy shit, I'm like an influencer. And I, <laughs> I, had, like, I had like 500 subscribers at the time. I made a dollar per subscriber. I was like, damn, what the hell is going on here? Um, wow. And since then, I've made like a few more. And the people who I did it for, they were like, shit, like, I got heaps of people who signed up to my app and stuff like that. And the thing about it is, I never anticipated that. I never even cared about, that was not part of the plan, you know? You just do the work for the love of the work and things will fall into place. I'm a big believer in that. 
especially if you don't try to force it. And when I say that, it doesn't mean don't have a plan. Like, I still think that there's a lot of value in having a plan. I feel like, especially for me this year, I made plans and like they worked out because I knew what I was working towards. But the journey of getting to where you're trying to go has to be a lot more relaxed. And I kind of find like a lot of people try really, really hard to force it. And it just never really works out. And it makes it just not fun at all. So yeah, I think what you've, what you're doing with your YouTube is great. Like, because it's just like nice, relax, hit the play button, have a chat about it, publish it, happy days. You know? <laughs> I, I, one person uh, reposted it when I, I did a web, web review of one, a website they did in their agency and they, they reposted it and they're like, it's not every day you get a very entertaining video. I'm like, Jesus, I hope that's not sarcastic. No, people appreciate it. Like, do, like, you know, like, you know what I, like, this is why you need to tell people that you are making these videos because I actually know there's some people on the Unicorn Factory freelancers who are super clued up in terms of like how to get work. And I don't know if they do this on purpose, but that they made like review videos on companies that they wanted to work for. And they'd make ah. like 10 of them. And like three of them would get back in touch with them. And it's kind of like, well, if you want to work for like Netflix, this is like an extreme example, <laughs> like make one of your videos for them and just be like, uh, here's an example. The, the person that I hired to help me do the Unicorn Factory website, he literally sent me this email basically telling me how he would improve my website. Unsolicited? He was a freelance on the Unicorn Factory. Yeah. So I was like, well, I have to read it because you're paying me $9 a year. So in some way I'm obligated now. But no, I read through it and I was like, that's a good point. Because like, I'm not from, a, I'm not very high on my opinion as like a designer. So I read it and I was like, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. And he made like eight points that were fantastic. And I think I was like his first or second client. I was just like, okay, can you fix these things? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, how much is it going to cost me? And he's like, I'll charge you hourly. I'm like, how much? And he was like, I'll charge you like 50 bucks an hour. And I was like, okay. And he's like, actually, I want to make it 60. I'm like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> Did you just up your rate within a second of me accepting? And I was like, okay, whatever, sure. And that dude, like, uh, he did a phenomenal job. And wow. I would have never hired him if he hadn't just like done what he did. And so that's why I'm saying like, when you make those videos, tell people about it because people will see it and people will be like, oh, this is so cool. And some people might just reshare it, which might just result in you getting a few extra views on your um, videos. But someone might be like, hey, so you said this and this about my nav bar. Um, our website's built in Webflow. Can you help us with this? Huh. And then you've created an opportunity. And that is like a tough one for people putting themselves out there and just being like, yo, but um, like you could now in theory get in touch with businesses and be like, hey, I run this little YouTube channel where I review different websites. Would you be interested in me reviewing your website? And most of them will be like, oh yeah, sure. And then you can just go and review it, put it on your channel. And that creates opportunities. I, 
just today I actually like posted about those little YouTube videos on my Instagram and then like friends from high school started liking it I'm like oh no <laughs> like cringing thinking that my voice is like playing on their iPhones and stuff like that but uh it, it's okay <laughs> yeah I, I, you know the, the the thing about it is um the, I I know exactly what you're thinking and like like that feeling that you get of like oh my god especially especially when it's from people from the outside world who are not involved in your like thing like i'm the same with like my youtube videos i don't put it out there to people who are not in the no code space because i'm kind of like i don't like you know this is like i don't want people to know that i like build things i'm a nerd (laughs) but yeah um but you know that feeling that you get of like oh my god what are they gonna think is because you sometimes feel like you are no longer the person that they know. So, you know, like mm. when you went to school with them, you were a certain person that had certain character traits and all those kind of things. And now you're doing something slightly different and you're a different personality and you've got different preferences. So now you're kind of afraid to see what those people will say. But I actually have found that in order for you to like, kind of like, if you want to become a UX designer or, or if you want to become like, build like online startups you kind of have to change in a way like they're like i can tell you right now that like in my first year and a bit of hatcher i was a university student all of my friends would have recognized me exactly as the person that i was but Mm. now i'm very different now i'm like now i do things differently and i think a lot of people would probably not recognize the person that i was back then because there's just a lot of things I just don't do anymore and a lot of behaviors I don't do anymore. So the thing about it is, is whenever you get that feeling of like, oh my God, what are, what's so-and-so going to say? That's actually a sign that you are changing a bit as a person. And I feel like you are, and that's like a good thing because you're gravitating more towards the person that you're like aspiring to become or working towards. And yeah, so I think that's like, a good thing to like kind of experience from time to time i feel adrenaline all the time like i don't know if that's healthy but (laughs) like like even today like i was uh just like freshening up before getting on the the podcast and i was like i'm going from work with people that i just met to podcast and then i have this and then i have that and then i have this and it's just like all these new things and i i was pretty much told that like you being scared all the time is really, really good <laughs> because uh, it means that you're actually doing something and you're actually growing. If you're not scared, you're either like weird or crazy person or you're like not really learning and you're not really growing. So sometimes when I get scared and stuff like that, you're kind of just like, that's, that's how you're supposed to feel. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, for sure. I mean, like, I think like when there's certain things that you just don't want to do because you are like worried about the outcome, it's like, yeah. I mean, I I think that over time you kind of just realize that a lot sooner. I think that is kind of how you change over time. Like um, there were so many different things that I was kind of like all wound up about for like a long time. Like even putting myself out there, like on YouTube was like a little bit stressful. Like I was kind of like, what's if this sucks? Like, you know, (laughs) but at the end of the day, you, as soon as you push through it, you're kind of like, whatever. So there's always going to be like a little bit of that feeling. Like when you meet new people, all those kind of things, it just kind of happens. But 
I think as soon as you just like push through them, like you get used to the feeling that you have right before you push through them. And then it kind of gets easier to manage over time. Yeah, I don't stop feeling it, but I definitely like mentally something's different where I'm just like, oh, yep, this is the thing I was anticipating. <laughs> this yeah. is the feeling I was waiting for. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you just push through it and like eventually it's all good. But like it's easier said than done. Like when I go and play tennis, I still stress out a lot. Really? So, nah, like not really. I've got I've got false yeah, like not really. Like um I I had like periods of it where I'd be like super nervous about playing tennis games for whatever reason. And I, I I'm not even playing serious tennis, I'm playing like the local guys down down the road, you know. <laughs> um yeah. but I'd like but like now it's like a lot better just because I've started to like I I, I, I see when I get nervous, I'm just like that relax like seriously <laughs> you're not playing Wimbledon right now you're playing like, <laughs> you're literally playing the club champs relax no one cares <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes uh uh when I actually end up telling somebody about what I'm nervous about um usually that helps a lot because by the time I'm done saying what I'm scared about I'm kind of like what was that all for <laughs> like yeah. you can just relax a little bit I mean, like, there's definitely, like, I mean, like, like stress and fear kicks in for a certain reason. So, like, it's not, like, complete abandonment, you know? Like, you know, so you kind of need to read the signals sometimes. But I feel like sometimes if you know that it's, like, it shouldn't be a big deal to break for it. Like, I always see it with, like, sales and marketing. Like, hmm. that is what people get all wound up about. And you just have to, like when people get wound up about it, you have to ask yourself, what exactly is it that I don't like about this? What exactly is it that I'm worried about? And oftentimes what people end up saying is like, I don't want to be judged. That That is like the most common thing that I hear people say. It's like, I don't want to be judged. And then the question is, so why do you think you're going to be judged? And it's like, oftentimes results back into, well, because you are judging salespeople or you're judging marketing people. So... <laughs> And it's like, you think that because they are sleazy salespeople or you think that they are like sleazy marketing people selling you all sorts of things that when you put yourself out there as like a marketing person and a salesperson, that people will think the exact same thing of you. And you don't want people to think that of you. So you are, you kind of tense up a bit and you don't want to become that person. So I think that is like an important like observation to make whenever you do have those fears is just to ask yourself where that comes from. And then to basically ask yourself if it's like a rational fear or not, or if you may have like made assumptions around a certain situation, because that is honestly like the biggest killer that I see with people who are trying to put their names out there. It's like freelancers on the unicorn factory. It's like, Putting themselves on the unicorn factory is literally the easiest thing that you can do because you just get inbound work. So people get in touch with you for work. You know, it's not like you having to reach out to them for work. But like when I talk to them, I'm like, you know, like I am a channel. Like you have to find other ways to get work as well because mm. what happens if you don't get any leads through the website for two months, you know, like then you're screwed. So mm -hmm. you need to come up with a plan. And then it's like, yeah, I hate, sales though i don't like marketing or like all that kind of stuff and yeah. i'm like well why and the, and it always comes back to the same thing it's like oh like people were like 
here's the thing. People gave me such a hard time for charging $10 a month to be on the Unicorn Factory at the beginning. And I was worried about that at the beginning. And I got so, um, I got so like wound up by that, that it froze me at times. But like at the end of the day, you just have to ask yourself, why exactly am I worried about that? Why do like, why do they have that feeling? Like, why do they put, why do they say like that? Why do they judge people for like marketing and stuff like that? And it's kind of, you're just going to push past it and you've got to realize that, okay, it's not actually a big deal. People just haven't experienced it or seen how you can actually do it. And you kind of break through those things a lot faster. I, I, outside of work and stuff like that, I definitely, once I, uh, I used to be like really insecure about a, a bunch of stuff, which was kind of pointless. Um, and once I actually noticed that it was just because of the energy that I was like putting out to other people, like once I stopped being judgmental of them, this is like middle school, probably I felt so much better about myself too. So like it, I think it applies to like all aspects of your life and also like forcing yourself to put yourself out there because um uh i uh, last thing i'll probably say before we wrap up is i uh i went through kind of like this is a joke but like a semi-traumatic experience of uh testing my senior thesis with 20 user testing sessions um in the span of two weeks and i had to present this project to people i knew from growing up people that i didn't really know that well classmates and stuff like that and i had to do I had hours and hours of user testing with people because I reached out to all of the people that I knew and then they all said yes. And that means I had to do all of them in my mind. I couldn't cancel any of them because everybody said yes. And so I would literally do these sessions where uh, like my ego was just getting like broken down of like people saying, oh, you shouldn't do this. This doesn't make sense. Like, why are you doing like that? Who who told you to do that? All this kind of stuff. Some was really positive, but other stuff was like, rough and so uh doing that like totally changed my mindset and like forcing myself to like keep on like showing stuff to people and stuff like that was was really helpful so yeah i i I guess if you don't know how to do it just make a situation where uh you have to and there's no way of backing out and you'll figure it out (laughs) hundred percent like one hundred percent i can tell you right now like whenever you are whenever whenever i have like kind of, I'm just going to call it level up because I don't have another way of describing it. But whenever I've made like a breakthrough in my professional career, it's because I backed myself into a corner that I couldn't have gotten out of. <laughs> like the no code conference, I got backed into the corner. Like as soon as I was signed up, like, well, now I have to do it. I'm committed to that. Whenever I said to that guy, yeah, I'll build your app for 10 grand. Well, now I was committed. Like as soon as he goes, okay, do it. You're, you're, if you're back to the wall and I'm like, oh my God, what if I can't do it? you'll figure out how to do it. Like you have no choice at that point. And I feel like those are the things that that are pretty hard to go for, but like those are the things that make a huge difference. Like in terms of like you doing it and you're like, wow, I actually managed to do this. And it's really good. And one other thing that you said that I, I just want to touch back on is like, yeah, just being le- less judgmental. I think like as soon as you genuinely approach things like that, being less judgmental, your life will get so much better because like you just open up to so many more different things. And I can tell you right now, like there was definitely times where I was very judgmental about certain things. For example, people with whiteboards in my YouTube ads telling me how they figured out how to build the next billion dollar business. And I just need to watch their 60 minute webinar. I was like, 
why is this constantly happening to me? Why am I seeing <laughs> these guys in my feed? And I was so judgmental of those guys. Like, like not, not in the sense where I was like, um, not in the sense that I was kind of like um, jealous of the, of whatever, like half the time I'll be honest with you, I thought that they were lying. <laughs> like, but, but I was kind pyramid of like, scheme. <laughs> but then I, I, I honestly like, I was like, okay, I, I went through this period of like, I'm gonna be less judgmental about things. And whenever I started seeing them, and seeing them with their whiteboards telling us how they figured out the key to life, I just realized that those dudes are no different to me. They are just out there trying to figure things out. And who am I to judge them for that? Because I'm out here trying to do the same thing. And unlike me, uh, like unlike me, they're actually out there and they are putting themselves out there. And yes, you know, we've seen a lot of whiteboards, but (laughs) you're doing it, you know? And as soon as I started thinking about things like that, and I actually started to like, look at people who were in my field who were doing really great work and being like, wow, this is actually like amazing stuff that they're doing and like really something to look up to your whole approach changes. Like you start to talk to them and then you realize that, hey, they're not some evil competitor. They're actually like great people who are doing something similar to you. And you then realize that they're actually open to sharing what they've learned with you. And you start to like, A, learn some really great things that you can use on your business. But most importantly, you start building relationships with people who, if you hadn't changed your mindset around that kind of stuff, you'd be stuck in, you would have never had the chance to kind of meet those people. So I think that that's a really important one for sure. I'm glad that I, I did it because you're you're probably right. I'd probably be a very different person if I hadn't uh, let that go, even though it was probably a process. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I mean, it always is. I, I want to thank you for, for coming on and stuff like that because uh, it was really like a gift to be able to just get so much advice and, and be able to talk stuff out. And especially the thing that you said about um, uh, like in order for people to be interested in you, you have to be interested in things. Like, I think that really applies to me a lot. Cause I, I was like really, um, uh, I don't know, like didn't want to learn a lot of things. Cause I wasn't really excited about the things I was learning. And then once I actually found something that I was interested in and had fun with and, and genuinely wanted to do it on like weekends and nights and everything, uh, that's when I, I started making friends and started um, reaching out to people. And I think people started finding me fun to talk to. So I, I, for that's sure. going to stick with me for a bit. So, so thanks. Thanks for coming on. And it was really, really fun. No worries. Two hours. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like quick 30 minute in and out. And oh, really? Oh. No, I didn't. No, 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 no. no, no, no I was no, like, no. oh, I thought I communicated. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I honestly didn't know how long it was going to take. No, I didn't think it was going to yeah. be half an hour, but I was like, you never know. Like, yeah. Um, but this was like a really great chat and you had a lot of good questions and I uncovered a lot of things about my childhood, <laughs> which I am going to address after this call. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, the the last thing that I do, which is like a nice way to like bookend the the episode, is um uh, I like to close out with um me just recapping like who I am, and if somebody's listening to this and wants to reach out to me, where they can find me, and then we'll end with you, and then we'll close out the episode. Does that sound good? That sounds fantastic. <laughs> okay.
So, uh, so anyway, uh, anybody's listening? Uh, my name's Emily Giordano. Um, I am a uh, UX designer, web designer, um, web developer, and I love using Webflow. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever, and it's really, really fun. And the projects that you can do are pretty much endless. When it comes to websites, you can you can make a, a static website, which is kind of like a really cool replacement of like a business card um or you could make something that's super in-depth and and closer to the stuff that i was talking about with connor today so if you're if you're interested in that and you want to reach out to me you can find me at uh, greatdesignlead.com um great design lead on youtube or instagram or anything like that and if you want to reach out to me directly it's emily at greatdesignlead.com and uh and yeah so we can finish up with connor okay so um well follow my youtube channel there's probably like the one thing that i would want to pitch here um i make videos about no code tools and if you ever wanted to build a freelancer marketplace then please feel free to watch my tutorials the only thing I ask is no marketplaces in New Zealand or in Canada. I am trying my best <laughs> to fight off all the other competition already. So I don't need any more. Um, then what else? Like other than that, like I hang out on Twitter. I mean, honestly, I don't post much on there. I mostly read the stuff that goes on on there. But like, if you want to reach out, say hello on there. Other than that, you know hit me up on my website. There's a contact form if you have any specific questions. Other than that, I don't have much else to add. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put all of that in the description so people don't have to go looking for it. But uh, yeah, this was, this was really fun. Thank you so much. And I guess this is just goodbye until next time. For sure. Thanks so much. <laughs>